Ron, thank you again for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, you have an amazing story, background. There's so much to dig into. Uh, so without further ado, uh, can you please introduce yourself and, and also talk about your, your company and, and business and all the work that you do as well? Sure. Uh, so my name is Ron Schwali. Uh, I was born in Israel, uh, hitched a ride with my parents to New Jersey when I was four years old, lived in, that's how you pronounce Jersey if you're from there, um, <laughs> or the Sopranos get you. Um, I lived there pretty much my whole entire life. Um, I went to college. I became, after high school, uh, which I wasn't really a fan of because I was really bored. I'm one of those kids that would always ask, how does this work? Why do I need to do this? What do I need to know? Like, you know, history teachers couldn't stand me because I'd be like, why are we going over this? Like this already happened. And, and the only thing that they had in their arsenal, in my mind, to be able to justify their job is they would say, because history repeats itself. And I'm like, eh, it kind of doesn't because we have technology we have this we have that but if you want to believe that that's totally fine um i was the kid that was diagnosed with adhd uh they didn't have odd back then um you know oppositional defiance disorder which is like every human being um so i was bored in school i would get into fights i would annoy teachers um apparently uh when i was a kid i had 145 iq my mom uh -huh. said the day uh -huh. i decided to wanting to be a pro wrestler my IQ dropped 30 points not sure exactly that's how that works but that was my mom's perspective on it because I was always a, an entertainer um when you're a little kid and you want to be seen and your parents are working your parents are in that mindset of you know uh, do as I say not as I do and kids are supposed to be quiet unless they're spoken to um that didn't work for me I wanted attention so I was a troublemaker and uh, whenever I was a troublemaker, I was seen, I was given a lot of attention, just like when I work with preschool kids now, I just came from doing a preschool uh, yoga karate program. And there's some kids that stand on their spots and do what they're supposed to do. And then there's other kids that jump off the spots and then the teachers come up and they, they interrupt my class and they'll go, are you making good choices? Was that a good choice today? And I'm sitting there going, oh, I know that's a good choice because now you have, you're in the kid's face giving them attention. All the other kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing in that kid's mind. Yeah, 100%, this was a good choice. So that was me growing up. Um, we would always go for the first uh, maybe like seven or eight years in the beginning of the summer, we would uh, leave for Israel and go there for three months, uh, which was great because my mom always told me the day we were flying, which is usually school was done, you know, June 23rd, 24th, and we would go for three months. So we would leave the beginning of June. So I knew on June 2nd, I was gone. So I can get to as many fights as I wanted. I can make fun of as many teachers as I wanted, because then when they said you have in-school suspension, I'd be like, okay, whatever. And then I'd be like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving for Israel tomorrow. And then I would see the faces of the principal and my teacher lose their mind. But what are you going to do? You're going to get me in some suspension. I'm, I'm flying. So I knew how to manipulate teachers and push their buttons and work around the system, which is why I'm so good at working with two, three, four, and five-year-olds who know how to do the same exact thing. I understand where they're coming from. They just want to be seen. Um, 
Uh, 15 years old, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Talk about wanting to be seen. I wanted to be an actor. So my parents took me. I took acting lessons in New York City. My dad was a rock star. He would take me out of school to go to do different auditions in the city for commercials and different things like that. A uh, year and a half, two years went by. I didn't get anything. I, he spent money on um, uh, what's he spent money on headshots. He spent money on a lot of different things. So um, after that, I'm like, all right, this is kind of I'm not getting what I want. So I stopped auditioning, but um, years before that, I saw Hulk Hogan do an interview, and all I saw was, let me tell you something, man, Gene, and, and Hulkamania, and then I would watch wrestling and see him come out, and, and 80,000 people would go, like that i'm like what is that i want that so even before that like at 12 years old i was taking martial arts um at 15 years old i started taking gymnastics i'm right now uh six foot 320 pounds but because i started yoga 15 years ago if you go into my youtube channel sometimes i show off a little bit and show videos of me doing like full back bridges and then doing a nose bridge where i'm resting my head on the ground and i'm crossing my arms uh, about a month ago i did a interview child playful yoga class with my love where uh one of the things we did was we went to a full back bridge or wheel and then you walk your feet up the wall and then you flip over and i'm a big dude and people see me doing that they're like wow which is why i'm also i try to tell especially guys start doing yoga as early as possible not for now but for 20 years from now so that when you become 45 50 60 your body's not creaking you're moving around i mean i've just spent an hour and a half jumping around slithering on the ground with with preschoolers because I do it and that gets my energy up. Um, so my mom wanted me to go to college because she was programmed the way that a lot of parents are programmed. You have to go to college. You have to go to college. Um, I told her all I want to do is be a pro wrestler. She's like, and her first response was, I'm not going to push you around on a wheelchair the rest of your life. I'm like, oh, thanks for the support, mom. But it, she's coming from fear. She's coming from, from fear and not understanding. And I totally get it. Certain people from different generations have been programmed and conditioned, just like we're programmed and conditioned now, that college is the end-all, be-all. And now Elon Musk and, and, and uh, Jeff Bezos and um, what's the guy from virgin, um, whatever, a lot of these people are, are noticing that college not only is not the end-all be-all, but it's actually a waste of money. It guarantees you debt. It doesn't, and I have a master's degree in education, so I can, I walk the walk so I can talk the talk. And so how many people do you know in life that they got a degree in philosophy in this and that the first two years of school, they did nothing that had anything to do with it. Like I remember uh, my mom said, you're going to college for business. I'm like, I'm not going to college if I have to pay for it. I'm not getting to that she's like oh your grandfather paid for it i'm like bet awesome grandfather paid for this in my mind that's fine i'm gonna be going to pro wrestling school you're not gonna know about it but whatever and then um i go sign up for like county college and uh, she's like, let me see what you signed up for. She's like, you're going to school for business. So I'm like, that's fine, business. I mean, business is so broad. I'm sure I'll learn business at some point. And uh, I hand her my, um, my schedule and she's looking at it. English comp one, okay even though I know how to speak English, uh, biology, anthropology, sociology, math. She's like, this is stupid. You're not taking these classes. I want you business class. I'm like, I'm with you hundred percent. I'm like, here's the number of my academic advisor. And she's like, this is she's like, Israeli lady. And we we're talking about former like Israeli military intelligence. So she ain't getting, you know, nobody's getting over on her um, still to this day. And I try, believe me. And um, all of a sudden she's reaching out. She hangs up the phone. She's like, this is stupid. 
I'm like, and, I, and she's like, when you go in Israel, you graduate high school, you have three to six months based on your birthday, and then you go into the military, you're there for three years, and then you go into university, and you go to two years of college to learn what you want to do, and then it's a lot of mentorship and hands-on training, like real life um, internships, real life um, situations, so you can learn how to function in real life. And then she was confused about it. I'm like, hey, listen, this is America. You brought me here, so let's keep on doing that. Um, and what was interesting was, like I've noticed, um, people are, I talk a lot about being able being stuck in their patterns. I have a keynote called Up the Rabbit Hole, Escaping the Matrix of Your Mind, because we are stuck in automatic, uh, negative, and repetitive functions 90% of the day. There's scientific study on this. So for me, not understanding why we have to learn this, like why am I in high school and I have to learn calculus? Why am I in high school and I have to learn this? I always wondered, why do they only give one elective class as opposed to thinking, why don't you give me four elective classes? And then if I want science, if I want physics, if I want chemistry, I'm interested, then let me take that. But now I understand the reason that high school, which is industrialized, designed that way so that you get used to classes that you don't want so that when you go to college, College, then it makes sense. Oh, well, this is just the way that it goes. Just like the reason why I believe homework is given out. In addition, so it gets you conditioned that after you go to your nine to five job, it's okay and regular for you to keep on working and not getting paid for it after hours, which is why a 40 hour week for people really turns out to be a 55, 60 hour week. And they're just conditioned to be okay with that. So I, I start, I'm always questioning and trying to figure out how does this make sense? How does that make sense? So I actually went to my academic advisor after about a month and a half of school. I was failing all my classes. I didn't like it. I, it was just boring. I'm arguing with teachers. How does this make sense? Why do I need to know this grammar, this and that? I have spell check on my computer. Like, I mean, a Microsoft Word. Uh, I go to my uh, academic advisor and she's looking at my classes. I'm sitting there like, you know, totally oppositional, whatever. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be a pro wrestler. She's like, oh, that's so cool. Tell me about that. And I told her Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior and it's acting and, and it's yelling. And it, I've been doing gymnastics for three years. I can do standing backflips at my size, senior year of high school. Um, I went out for football uh, for three months. I got bigger and then they never told me to do neck exercises. So then the first time I put the helmet on, my neck went like that. And I'm just like, okay, that's weird. And I picked my head up and it goes like that. And all of a sudden, after like two minutes, my neck is in pain. I go up to my coach and I'm like, um, my neck is killing me. He's like, what happened to the neck exercise? I'm like, nobody told me. He's like, oh, tough. You know how we're taught as guys, man up. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, man up. Sure. Here. And I was the second biggest guy on the team. I was going to be a lineman because I just learned how to play football by playing Madden. And I'm like, oh, here you go. And I handed him the, what's it called? I handed him the helmet. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And he's like, start screaming. This is back in the day where coaches were allowed to scream at you and curse on you. But it was part of the thing, you know, football, football, whatever. So, um, and it was interesting because then I found out that he actually had some of the he wanted to get the football players some of them to beat me up because I cost them this he had a plan strategy but the problem was it was our 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 high school we had 900 uh no 2100 kids sophomore junior senior freshmen were in a junior high school so it was a huge high school east brunswick high school in new jersey so the problem was is we had our clicks you had the soccer click the cool kid uh click the smoker click but there was a taekwondo school that was in the middle that everybody went to so if you have, have you ever watched the karate kid absolutely you, yeah, do, you, do you watch the cobra kai shows 
I do not. Oh, if you like the Karate Kid, the Cobra Kai shows that they have on YouTube, they're on season three now. Amazing. So many flashbacks. But now Daniel LaRusso has his own family and his daughter's training. And Johnny, uh, you know, the, the guy that was the bad guy or whatever, he's got his own kid. It was awesome. So our, our taekwondo school was run by this guy, Tim Mertens, who was just mean. And if he you knew when he had a bad day, everybody get around. It was done in a firehouse. And uh, it was carpet surrounded by like a wood floor for like dancing. Everybody would get on their knuckles and we would do a hundred pushups, but not a hundred pushups at the same time. If there was 15 kids around, then you would count it off. One, two, three, four, five. If somebody dropped, you're starting over. So this guy, he was like a father figure, but like a military, bam, 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 like that. He took no garbage. He didn't care what cliques you were in. You take care of the students at your, uh, your, your, your fellow dojo mates. So the football players wanted to beat me up. But then one of the guys who was a co-captain, the football team, he's also like, oh, uh, yeah, that's kind of tough because he's, uh, he's, he's higher ranking than me at the taekwondo school. And if he even told for a second, my instructor, he would beat the So literally, I, it was like, I was good to go. And then it was interesting because then one of the cheerleaders, uh, she knew I did wrestling. Uh, what's it called? She knew I wanted like wrestling and all that stuff. And she comes up to me um, end of September, which I would have been in football. She's like, just letting you know, we're starting a uh, cheerleading team. We're starting, we have cheerleaders. We're starting a men's group because a guy from Rutgers came over. I'm like, I don't know, cheerleading, you know, I'm a guy here and all this, blah, blah, blah. She's like, listen, just, just come check it out. Talk to the teacher who was a dance instructor. I'm like, okay, fine. And she had long red hair and she was gorgeous. So I'm like, all right, fine. You know, ow, 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 arm twisted. I go and follow her. I go over and I see one of the guys from my Taekwondo school in this, in a split. I'm like, Dave, what are you doing here? He goes like this. And I look over and there's 15 cheerleaders stretching. I'm go, I'm in. So that was it. But it was so cool because, and then what they did was they also cut them. The school decided for the winter because only four guys joined. They cut the men's gymnastics team because of, of something else or whatever. So now there's two gymnasts jacked yoke i mean forearms the shoulders like this now all of a sudden he was friends with one of them so the two gymnasts came on board we watched videos we started doing all this stunting and chairs and basket tosses and flips and because we were big and because we can do all these different things like our everybody started hearing about our cheerleading team to the point that we wanted they wanted to go to competition they wanted to do this i'm just like all right this is interesting but then all of a sudden it's like yeah so you're going to get to the high school at 6 a.m and after school's over you're going to come back i'm just like mm. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But it, so, so, so fast forward, all I want to do is be, so I learned cheerleading. I learned this. I learned that. I, I go to my academic advisor and I'm just like, I want to be a pro wrestler. And she's like, okay, what about this? And I'm like, I don't care. I want to be a pro wrestler. I want to be a performer. I want to be an actor. So she's like, okay, got it. Two weeks go by. I get a letter in the mail back. We're talking 1993. I get a letter in the mail. It says Betsy Padgett house. I still remember her name. Middlesex County College. All I see is on the top of the letter, it says, hi, Ron, I listened. And then three pro wrestling school, because now there was no internet. It was all phone book, or you have to go into the, uh, the, the what's it called, the, the newspaper and like the wanted ads back then. She found me three wrestling schools in New Jersey. One was 3,500 in Parsippany, New Jersey. Another one was 3,000 in Woodbury, New Jersey. And then there was one in Brick, New Jersey, Iron Mike Sharp School of Pro Wrestling, 100 bucks down, 20 bucks a week. 
And I went there with one of my friends. It wasn't even a wrestling ring. It was a boxing ring that they put a crappy pad underneath, no bump. I got in the ring. We took back bumps. My friend that came with me, like for the next week, we're just like, oh my goodness. He bailed. I came back and they're surprised because a lot of people don't come back. And then that's how I started like my whole entire journey in pro wrestling. And it was, it was awesome. It was incredible. I totally loved it. Um, And it taught me how to listen to a crowd how to understand when to, if I'm a bad guy, how to have the crowd get excited for the good guy. And then all of a sudden turn it around where I do something cheap and I pull the bad, the good guy's hair and the crowd gets on me more. I learned how to build up anticipation, build up suspense. I learned if I'm in a crowd of a thousand people, just as important as the person in the front row, the person all the way in the far corner needs to see what I'm doing and my expressions and my this and my that. So they can be part of it because back then a lot of these independent wrestling shows they didn't have like these big teletrons or whatever that like wwe or aew has so that was my performing i did it for 12 years i went to rowan university because i wanted to go to that wrestling school in the south so i told my mom i wanted to change colleges because they have a communication school my mom's like whatever as long as you're going to college program 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 eh, eh, eh. so i went down to that one for about a year um and that's when i actually have a question for you because yeah i don't stop so you gotta just like throw something at me there are a lot of things you touched on that i love to to bring up the first one please sorry first of all is how did your how did living in both worlds looking back shape you as an adult when i say both worlds i'm referring to being israeli or growing up in a Mm -hmm. household with your parents Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. being american um, looking back as an adult now, how would you say that shapes you? And the second question is, um, and we can, we'll get to this eventually. The second question is, when you first got into the pro wrestling business, mm-hmm. who were you looking to model yourself after? Um, back then, there were so many amazing wrestlers. So in your mind, exactly. So in your mind, were you looking to kind of create something new and be you? Or did you also see some inspiration in the current wrestlers i mean you mentioned hulk hogan the ultimate warrior there were so many amazing wrestlers back then Um, so that was that those are my two questions for now so we can start with the first one okay so it's interesting being israeli because um i never understood how the israeli person then when coming over somehow to America, like you think about an Israeli person, if you ever see like Sasha Baron Cohen, when he does one of his characters, which is like this Israeli guy that looks like my uncle and my cousins and they're very strong-willed and this and that, and nobody tells Israelis what to do. And when, you know, uh, when when Iraq had these nuclear reactors and the US said, don't go near them, Israel Israel's like, eh, no, we're gonna go blow them up. And because of blowing up the nuclear reactors, they didn't have nuclear weapons during the Gulf War. So it's like the common thing is Israeli like that but also very regimented very military I don't even remember my mom ever saying I love you my dad saying I love you it was just it just wasn't there so so I would watch Brady Bond should be like what the hell is this and I'd see married with children and be like oh 
that makes more sense. Like that's what it kind of looked like. Um, and then they came, we come over here. My, my friends are doing, even if I had a couple of Jewish friends, they're doing Hanukkah. They get gifts, they get this, they get that. And with my parents, it's like, well, we don't do that. We're Israeli. We're not. So there was no Hanukkah. Uh, Passover was sitting for four hours reading this boring book because I have to, because I told you. So with me, um, I had no interest like religion. I have no interest back then. I have no interest in it now. For me, I don't like, I don't participate in anything that separates humanity from each other. When my mom tells me where our God is the right God, I'm like, but I love, I love, uh, I love um, you know, Greek mythology. I love this mythology. What about this God? What about Ganesh? What about, oh, no, no, that's all BS, but our God is our God. I'm just like, who told you that? It's like, oh, it's a book. I'm just like, but they write books too. So it's like, being Israeli and being American, it totally had me have no interest in Judaism whatsoever to the point that even when someone asks me, like, where are you from? I go, I, I was born in Israel. They're like, oh, you're Jewish. I'm like, no, that's a religion. I was born in Israel. I'm an Israeli. And, and it would be confusing to some people, but I really made like a line of demarcation, but I never liked going into like the temple that I was brought up in because it was all inauthentic. They're always asking for money. I know a lot of uh, religious organizations, tithing, tithing, give me money, give me money. They pay no taxes whatsoever, but you know, somehow that works out. Like Scientology just sued the government so much so that eventually they said, you know what, don't worry about it. And now they don't have to pay taxes, which is like insane to me. Um, <laughs> and, I, and then I got, I got such a tickle when my mom's like, oh, the rabbi's great. This guy's great. Everyone's wonderful. Everyone's this and that. And all of a sudden, like I saw like years later, the rabbi, the cantor and like 10 other people get arrested for real estate scams because uh, around temples, there's something called an eruv, which is a one mile block area around a certain temple where apparently their rules are that you can walk around there only within that mile. So now if there's an orthodox temple uh then all of a sudden the prices go up so they started moving the this and moving that so when i showed the newspaper to my mom here's your precious people this and that oh she couldn't stand it um and actually um i, I didn't even like i then was interesting then i had to go to hebrew school so i hated school and then after school instead of playing with my friends outside or watching he-man or transformers or gi joe or all that stuff i had to go to hebrew school tuesday Thursday afternoon, then go to prayers on Saturday, then go to Hebrew school on Sunday. I speak Hebrew. I can do the ch and the r. It's a beautiful language, right? So I can do all these different things. But then I have these American Hebrew teachers going. So so we're gonna. I'm gonna teach you Hebrew. R. And like the, I'm like so I'm like you can't teach me anything. I can speak Hebrew better than you. I, I like get, so eventually got to the point where I just didn't want to be there. And I'm just like, this is stupid. And then all of a sudden I had to get bar mitzvah. So now I got to spend four, I got to spend another day, Wednesday afternoon, listening to this guy read, read this archaic Hebrew. It doesn't matter if to memorize four, but I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And he's like, oh, you're disrespecting your religion, this and that. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just don't want to do it. You're making up stories in your mind that I'm being disrespectful. Just like when I work with teachers and, the, they don't, and some kids don't look at teachers in the eye and the teacher's like, oh, he's being disrespectful. 
respectful. He's being disobedient. No, he's just not looking at you in your eyes. All the stories you make up in your head, you're putting on that child. And also there are kids that are taught in certain nationalities. If you make eye contact with an adult, that's disrespectful. So they're not looking for a win-win environment. They're just looking to dominate and be right. So one of my greatest times ever was I got kicked out of my Hebrew school class for making fun of the teacher that they couldn't do the and the and then um, the teacher, my mom was also a Hebrew school teacher at that time at that school. So it was smart because the, the building was shaped like a U. So uh, the classroom, my classroom was here. The principal and rabbi's office was here, but my mom's classroom was here. So the teacher was smart. And she dragged me this way all the way around the U-shaped school so she can see me kicking and, and, to, and drag past my mom's room. So my mom just left the kids, goes in. I'm sitting down with the rabbi. I'm sitting down with the, uh, what's it called? I'm sitting down with the rabbi. I'm sitting down with the principal. They're just yelling because, you know, that's all they know. Yell. They don't understand win-win. They don't understand why. How can I make this environment engaging so he's interested? Just you got to do it. You got to do it because I'm an adult and you're a kid. And then I remember the rabbi going, my mom's sitting there. I remember the rabbi going, and until the day that you can show respect to your religion, you're not allowed to be here. I'm like, oh, bye. And I stood up and I walked right out. I went to the car and my mom lost. I'm like, I knew this was going to be the beating of beatings. I'm going to get the, she had sticks. She would do this and that, whatever. I'm like, I don't care. This is going to be amazing. And when I got home, I mean, she whooped me. Dude made me look bad. You disrespect. I mean, I'm bruises. I didn't care. It, I felt like Neo in the matrix. <laughs> not going to Hebrew school again. I'm not going to Hebrew school again. And then, and then I never had to go to Hebrew school ever again. It was so worth the ass whooping. 100%. So with so with me, to wrap up that story, I, now I understand why these podcasts are two hours. Oh my God, can you imagine it was only an hour? So, <laughs> so with me growing up in that environment on how things are supposed to be was interesting because then she made it seem like, well, Israelis do this and Israelis do that. And then everything's so much stricter. And now I become a teenager. I start going and I'm understanding. I go to Israel, I see the environment. Nobody wears yarmulkes. Everybody eats bacon. Everybody does this. So she's trying to have me be in this imaginary world. And then I'm seeing reality, which is what I love seeing. And, and it just, it just shut it. So at this point, the, then the only thing kept on going is like, you have to date a Jewish girl. You have to date a Jewish girl. You have to date a Jewish girl. And I'm just like, huh because i was never attracted like like a jewish girl like you know, like uh what what's her name uh what's the what's the one from the uh the Sh sarah uh she's got three names the one from that show with the with the four women in new york city oh, sex, oh, in the, I love, just, you know, sex in the city yeah so the, the main one, so it's like, when I look at American Jewish women, they're so not attractive to me. They're light, bright, pasty white. They got big old schnozolas. And I don't care. I, I don't care what comes out of my mouth because this is just my perception. If somebody gets upset, it's them getting upset at my sounds, but not being responsible that they're getting upset. So they put the responsibility on me. So I was never interested. It just, if I look at something, if I look at, at food and it doesn't look good, it doesn't smell good. I'm not going to want to eat it. If I look at someone that I'm not appealed to I'm not interested but and then what would happen is a lot of the American Jewish girls that they're all they're all like you know inbreeding with not inbreeding but they're all staying within their certain sect and then my first girlfriend she was half German half Chinese one side of the plant the other exotic 
gorgeous. I had another girlfriend. She was half Panamanian and half Irish. So her dad was six foot three. You ever see that old stock photo of like the farmer with the thing? That was her dad. Her dad was light, bright, pasty white with a big red nose. Her mom was from Panama. Wesley Snipes, dark, amazing person. Her two older brothers, I mean, Lenny Kravitz had nothing on there. Both of them were male models. And then she was just stunningly gorgeous. And I would look at all these different people. And when you take purse people from one side of the planet and mix them with the other, they're exotic, they're gorgeous. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so instead of what we're supposed to think, let's look at reality. And the conversation that shut my mom down, that she never talked about this again, I'm like, listen, you're a scientist. You understand this. Let's do reality. Why is it that when you have people in the same area and they start breeding with each other, they're not physically attractive. But the more that you take someone from, from this area of the country, from the planet, and this area, you take someone who's an Eskimo, and then you take someone from Uganda, and you mix them together, and they're stunning. Well, if you really believe in God and the plan, why is it that, and, and our purpose is to breed, and our purpose is to multiply, why is it when you mix more people, then they're more attractive looking? And she's like, I got nothing. I'm like, because that's the way we're supposed to be. There's no this race, that race. There's a human race. That's it. You cut us. If you're not bleeding red, I'm concerned. Everything like that. So that's why I look at it as it's so silly because especially I would wonder like why my parents have this programming. But like we were talking about before, two generations before that, there was a guy named Hitler trying to kill people and being very successful at it just because of a belief system. So I don't understand how somebody can have this, but I do get it. I get it because it's their programming and it's their conditioning. And a lot of this stuff comes from fear, which is why um, I have an assembly program called Saming, not Shaming, because we're taught to look for the differences in people. So I remember on Sesame Street, I'd watch the show and there would be this one every, every week, which of these things is not like the other, which of these things is not the same. I'm wondering, it's like, you're really getting into this programming. And it would show four boxes and three things were alike. And then this thing stood out. I'm like, that's stupid. So you're focusing on what's different. And also I have an assembly program where if you go onto um, my website, there's a quick video where I wear my Yogarati wig. It's a red wig. And I'm walking with my friend Deanna, who's an educator. And we're talking all of a sudden her husband, who's one of my mentors, he runs uh, private schools. Uh, he owns six private schools in the Miami Dade area called My Life, My Power. If you want to interview somebody amazing, oh my goodness, um, for sixth grade to 12th graders. So we're walking and all of a sudden he's got a red wig that I have. And we're walking, having a conversation. Then I look at him and he looks at me. It's like, oh, I love your red wig. He's like, I love your hair. Not red wig. I say, I love your hair. I love your hair. And then Deanna goes, you're saming. You're saming. You're looking for the similarities. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Have a great day. You too. Because think about it. You could be walking down the street with some, with a friend. All of a sudden you see somebody with the same jersey that you have on, the same hat, the same sneakers, the same this and that. You don't even know who this person is. But all of a sudden you're walking closer. They got the same sunglasses. Like, bro, nice sunglasses. You got nice sunglasses. High five. And now you connected with that human being. But saming is not something that, you know, people know about because we're not programmed that way. So that's the whole thing with the whole is, did I, did I answer that question with the whole? Terrific <laughs> uh, job answering that question. And I really love the fact that you brought up these minor uh, conditioning programs that were implanted with, even at a young age, something as simple as Sesame Street, right? Yeah. You know, where, where 
being programmed to to search and look for the differences in others yes. and we don't even realize that obviously there are kids watching that show but yeah. subconsciously at a young age like you said the programming starts so i love that yeah. you even notice that because it's something a yes. lot of people do not notice absolutely thank you i appreciate it. that's one of the things for me when something doesn't make sense i question everything and that's how we're taught, you know, don't question this, don't question that, conform. And I'm just like, no, I question everything. Every single thing out of my mouth is, why do I need this? Why do I need that? I'm graduating business school. Why do I need calculus with a calculator this big that I'm never going to use? So it just, it's like, and, and, I, and I keep on noticing repetitively over and over. Like I went to bartending school and then when I, I learned 40 hours, how to do this, how to do that, uh, 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 I don't even drink alcohol. I don't even, I don't understand drinking alcohol. And for me, it's like you take grapes that are amazing and you ruin them and then you ferment them. You take beer, you take wheat, which is really good because I love bread. And then you turn into beer and then people sit there and they lie to you saying, oh, this tastes good. I'm like, this doesn't taste good. I've tried it before, but like, it just it's I, I just never really understood why we have certain things that are put in, into our way that just it just doesn't make sense I, I just don't understand why these things happen I say question everything so when I have kids that go why 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 I say because this because that because this because that I'll keep going with the why for five minutes because how do I know these other three-year-olds don't have the same question especially why do I have to wear masks I'm like hmm because mommy lives in fear. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, you know, don't look at science. Mommy lives in fear. So don't get me started on that one. Uh, that's a great point. That's a great point. And then to the next question, which was uh, regarding a wrestling. Yes. And where your headspace was at this, at this point in time, when you, especially when you started, were you looking to create something new? Were you very inspired by one of the current wrestlers successful wrestlers yes. out and you wanted to mimic them what was what, what was your there was one there was one wrestler that's my favorite wrestler of all time he had charisma he had was colorful he had intensity he was a high flyer he was a power wrestler he was sneaky he was smart he was manipulative he was oh yeah randy macho man and the guy was just pure intensity but he was the colors that he came out with and just the brilliance of what he did i mean i was just actually showing my love um because she's she's 15 um she's like 11 years younger than me so i'm showing her all like the old school things and like when I cry, because I want to, I want to get when I do my keynotes, my performances, I want to engage emotion. I don't want to just be up there. I want people crying. I want people feeling. I want them feeling again because they forget to feel. And um, I don't know. Do you remember like when Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage went against each other back then? <laughs> but yeah. So then all of a sudden, Sensational Sherry comes in and he becomes the Macho King. And the Macho King and then Sensational. So he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He goes against the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, at WrestleMania, I forgot what it was, whatever it was, it was like a retirement match. And then Ultimate Warrior can't beat the Macho Man after he hits him. So the Ultimate Warrior, he's asking his gods, he's asking, what do I do? What do I do? And then finally, the Warrior runs across one rope, other rope, hits him, hits him with the splash. One, two, three, the Warrior wins and he does his thing and he runs. I'm getting chills. And let me tell you something, brother. And then he runs out of there. And now all of a sudden, Randy Macho Man is laying in there defeated in the middle of the ring and sensational 
Sherry starts yelling, screaming, puts the boots to him. But who's in the crowd? Elizabeth is in the crowd and she can't. And Gorilla Monsoon is like, she's standing. She can't watch it. She jumps over the apron. She runs over. She, she never got involved in any wrestling. This is before. Now the wrestlers now, they're the female wrestlers are, are main eventing WrestleMania because some of them are more talented than the guys. And all of a sudden it's like Elizabeth comes over. She grabs Sensational Sherry. She throws her out. Randy Macho Man Savage, he's looking. They're looking. Oh my goodness. They hug. He loves her. He loves her. And in the crowd, everybody's got tears. And it's why I'm watching it go like that. And he's like, he picks her up and Macho Man's music. He's got her up on the shoulders. And <clears throat> the most beautiful thing, Elizabeth used to always hold the ropes open for him. And she holds the ropes open for him. He stopped and he goes, and then he holds the ropes for her. And I lost it. And I'm getting emotional right and lost it again. And I'm just like, he can create one human can create such energy and such if the story's done right it's amazing so that was my guy and then i love tag team wrestling so with me i did a singles character a couple of different times didn't really do anything and then uh because i went to rowan university uh in south jersey i joined the fraternity but like i, I was like 21 at that time and, and these, you know, the, they, they got us in the basement. We're on, we're down on knees. We're blindfolded. They're yelling. They're screaming at us, whatever, this and that. Everybody's terrified. But I didn't share this with you. But at 12 years old, I tried to kill myself when my parents put me into a military academy because they didn't know that the American military system and the Israeli military system is totally different. If you ever watch Full Metal Jacket or all this stuff. So I went through absolute hell for three weeks before I got myself out of there. And so and guys are beating the crap out of me. They're punching me in the stomach in the face with combination locks because right before I go into the school, my mom says they have an expulsion policy. If you get into one fight, we just paid 12 grand up front. If you get into one fight, you're expelled. If you're expelled, your uncle, he was the second or third admiral in the Israeli Navy at that time. Your uncle is going to send two of his guys over. They're going to throw a bag over you. They're going to put you in a van. They're going to put you on an airplane and you're not coming back to America until you finish the Israeli, uh, whatever, the Israeli military. And I even spoke to my uncle at some point. He's like, yeah, I had the guys lined up. Cause I mean, we're talking like, you know, 85, 86 or whatever, where anything could happen. So I'm sitting there for three weeks. Every single time these kids started to bully me, I had braces, glasses. I was a little chubby, but I, I would sit there with my fist clenched, want to knock them out, knowing the second I would throw these guys out the window and I was bigger than all of them. Uh, second, I would do this or that I'm gone. So for three weeks, these guys are trying to figure out better ways, how to beat the crap out of me to the point that I was blamed for something that I didn't do. I was told I was going to get a blanket party, which I didn't know what that was until I found out they take a blanket they put it over you to hold you down they put combination locks and bars of soap and socks and they beat the crap out of you so that's when i walked into my room uh, after i told the captains there was no adult supervision at the time the place was called admiral farragate academy in tom's river and about a year later after my mom got done with them when she realized i wasn't just telling stories they hightailed the whole entire organization now it's down in like tampa somewhere and they're so beautiful whatever and now i know there's lawsuits and lawsuits going after them for other abuse stuff so i'm like yeah get them um, but pretty much, so I dealt with that stuff. So I'm, I'm in a fraternity and I loved, uh, I loved all the fraternity movies and animal house. So I'm sitting there like they're screaming and yelling. I'm in a pro wrestling school where every month we have chop day. So they get rid of the weak guys and they get in the corner, you lift your shirt up and bam, chop, 
chop and your chest is all like that if you cut and then three quarters of the guys that would join that month would never come back and me i'm just like i had a story my story was i'm wolverine and constantly every single chop that which does not kill me makes me stronger that which does not kill me makes me stronger that which does not kill me make me stronger so i'm sitting there taking as much abuse as possible just to keep on building this up so when these guys are doing all this stuff um I didn't care. I'm sitting there laughing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a fraternity movie. This is so cool. Is Jim Belushi, John Belushi going to come out? So I'm like, whatever. So then they blackballed me. I did the whole like 12 weeks. And then the week before hell week, they come up to me and they're like, we have to have a meeting. It's like, you're blackballed. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, well, you can't be part of the fraternity because you're not taking it seriously. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And like my big brother at the time, who was two years younger, he's crying. He's all emotional. This and that. I'm like, I don't care. This is a fraternity. I'm like, what am I, oh, darn, I can't give you 500 bucks so I can buy friends. But I became friends with all the older brothers originally because we started going to these wrestling shows in in, uh, in Philadelphia. We started going to ECW when it started getting big. So these guys are my age. We're 21. We're going hanging out. I'm getting them alcohol and beer or whatever. So after I got blackballed, the, the brothers are like, cool, what are you doing? Nothing. And I go hang out with the brothers instead of my pledge brothers, which the other brothers didn't like. But because I didn't stay at that school, I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I down here? I don't want to go to this wrestling school anymore. I go back to school and um, I hook up with this other guy who then I ended up becoming friends with. And then one day the universe spirit, whatever you want to call it, that just gives me ideas like Yogarati and other things. Uh, I'm watching the Blues Brothers. I'm like, I don't want to do serious wrestling. I want to be the comedy relief. So we took a couple of pictures, dressed up like the Blues Brothers. We got these different hats and glasses, whatever. We, we got some pictures done. All of a sudden, one promoter said, oh, my goodness, we love this. We got the dancing down. We got the singing down. We The whole act, like once the bell rang, I always would joke around. We're the best wrestlers until the bell rang. Then it was garbage. But we were, we were the comedy. These guys were doing flips off the top rope, hitting each other with chairs, putting each other through tables. We would get a better response if I'd go to the second rope in the corner and go, like, like this and then the crowd would go yay and then the bad guy would go to the corner he go like this they go boo and we go yay boo but then by the third time the bad guy is up there like this and I, I'm sneaking up so I'll go like this and I start doing the little sneak and the little sneak and it's an 18 foot and I'm building it up and by the time the crowd's like this and I'm building and building and building I go right up from behind and I just go doink and give him a little squeeze right in his butt cheek, and he would go, oh, sell it. It would get a bigger response than any of this flying this and flying that. So we got real popular real fast because we were the one match, usually after intermission, to get the crowd back up, and it was awesome. I loved doing it. We were called the Soul Brothers. So I was, uh, there was Jake Blues and El Elwood Blues, so I was Jack Soul, and my partner was Elvin Soul. And we went all over the country doing this shtick, but the funny part was people would hire us because – Back then, if you got 20 bucks a piece for driving eight hours, like we'd have to do, we drive eight hours out from Jersey to Ohio and then wouldn't have money for a hotel. So we just got back in the car and drove back. And we had our two cassette tapes that you flipped over. We listened to the same thing over and over, but we would get there. But my partner, 6'3", 250 pounds. I'm six foot. I was six one back then. I, you know, I shrink when you get hit in the head with chairs a lot. And we would show up and the guy's just like, Oh, I didn't know you're this big because he would see our tapes and they would have us go against their bad guys that were five nine, five ten. But we're I'm walking in here like this, but you don't see it wearing a full jacket and glasses and all that stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun. I loved it. But the entertainment of it, um, 
is is fantastic. And then the com like the wrestling nowadays, my friends are old school. They want to see the old boring wrestling. And when there's guys that are wrestling and they're doing comedy and they're doing silliness and it's over the top, that's the stuff that I like. I like the creativity. I like things that have never been done. I can't stand the old boring stuff. It just it it already happened. The past is the past. Move on. Sure. And and, and thank you for that uh, beautiful uh, story, by the way. And it actually leads me. Your last few words leads me to my next question, which is the wrestling industry has changed uh, over the years a lot, even since you yeah. left. So in your opinion, from your perspective, how has the industry changed over time for the better and for the worse? For the better, it's more exciting. It's faster. It's quicker. It's more fast paced. Now there's like some ending uh, exchanges you might, like back in the day, there was a guy, Shawn Michaels, his finishing move was a super kick where he just kicked you in the side of the face, you're done. Now there's 25 super kicks in one match and it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, right. The Jake the Snake Roberts had a DDT. You grab the guy in the head, you go down like this and his head goes into the mat. Now there's 15 DDTs in a match. So every, and back in the day, there used to be finishers. So somebody hits you with the finisher, you're never getting up. Now somebody hits you with the finisher. If you're a big person, you're still kicking out of the finisher now your finisher has to be an avalanche finisher which is anything avalanche is off the top so it's more it's more difficult now i see these guys all of a sudden five years ago thanks to i think kevin owens and a couple of these other guys where now they're using all different parts of the ring kevin owens has uh this guy from canada he's a great wrestler but he power bombs people where you put a guy's head between your legs and then you lift them up like that and you slam them on their back but he power bombs people on the corner of the apron they're doing so many yesterday i was watching wrestling wrestling they do there's something called the poison rana where like a hudaka rana is where you jump in the air you put your legs on the person's shoulders and then you go back and the person tucks and does a roll it looks like his head's in now there's something called a poison rana where the person's standing behind you they jump up in the air they put their legs on top of your shoulders like you're doing a chicken fight then they go backwards and these guys go straight down top of their head and pop out i have no idea how they don't paralyze themselves and these guys are doing it on the apron so it's a lot more dangerous it's insane i can't, i i, I would never do it never get back in the ring even though i did get back in the ring about a year ago with uh with daniel because the guy daniel pewter who um who runs East My Life, My Powers, he actually won Million Dollar Tough Enough. He was an undefeated mixed martial artist. So him and I actually never got in the ring together. So we went down to this guy, Gangrel School, this guy, Dave Heath. Um, and we kind of wrestled around a little bit and worked out. It was fun, um, but I'm, I'm done with the rest. It's just so I'm 45 human years young, my body. And now I just do yoga and I play with kids. That's my wrestling. Um, sure. But it's like the, the thing is that... Um, you have to get more, uh, the thing I think that I like with the wrestling world is everyone's becoming more creative. There's a guy, Orange Cassidy, that he's his character is like the laziest person in the world where he always puts his hands in his pockets. He's a great character, AEW, AEW. AEW, exactly. And, and he just does these kicks. There's like, he taps you on the foot. And the crowd's like, oh, and then he, he taps you like the light. He's like, oh, oh. And then he does the backing up a second and then he comes up and he just taps you on the shin. The crowd's, oh, and my wrestling friends hate it. And, but the whole crowd pops. So if the whole crowd is popping, 
then do it. I've seen other promotions where they have a grenade, where it's an imaginary grenade, and the person goes like this, and th- one person has it, is his character, he throws the grenade in the ring, uh, and there's no grenade, it's imaginary, and all six people in the ring, one, two, and they all take a flying back bump, and it looks so well. Korga, it looks like a dance crew. It looks like an amazing, like when all the everybody does the Matrix stuff, I love it. it it's more entertaining um, because AEW's in there now. It's making it more challenging for WWE. The thing that I never understood, so all these guys went to the WWE developmental and all these, and, and they're the guy, Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest interviewers of all time. They have a promo class where they spend hours catering their promos. Some of these guys like John Cena, he's been a wrestling fan. He's got pictures of himself as a little kid as a belt. So if you don't think that these guys have been in front of a mirror imitating Ric Flair, imitating this person, that person. So they're learning how to do all these promos and they're improv Like I did a bunch of improv classes in New York City. Like wrestling is it's acting, but you get one shot to do this. And they're learning improv and they're learning how to be mobile and they're learning how to be fluid. And then all of a sudden WWE starts forcing everybody to do scripted and script. And and these people that are handing you the scripts, they're writers from the Conan O'Brien show. They're writers from this. And these people are like, what are you doing? So now this is why like when AEW started, Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, he left the shield and he went in there. And even Chris Jericho, when he left WWE and started wrestling and he like, he goes back and, and he's like, okay, he cuts, he cut, Three Dean Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, he cut three promos in 10 minutes. He didn't have to sit outside Vince McMahon's office. He said this on Jericho's podcast. He didn't have to sit outside or outside of Vince McMahon's office for an hour and a half just to say, can I say this word or this or that? These guys now in AEW and in Ring of Honor, they have the freedom to be themselves and to let their characters come out. Stone Cold Steve, the biggest wrestlers in the world, weren't the ones with the greatest talent. The, the, the Rock, great wrestler, amazing interview. Stone Cold Steve Austin, great wrestler, amazing. Hulk Hogan, let me tell you something, brother. What other than that? The Undertaker, all these people, the interviewing. John Cena was great with the interview. He's an okay wrestler, okay? But that's what makes it, the interview, the connecting with the human person, having them, like, that's why even, like, when WCW and Ted Turner's company, they were beating them when Stone Cold, And Vince McMahon, when McMahon created Mr. McMahon, the evil billionaire, and Stone Cold was the blue-collar worker, and now it was the blue-collar worker giving the FU to the boss, and that just redid the whole entire wrestling industry, and everyone's on board. Everyone's excited, and it wasn't even wrestling matches. Everyone just wanted to see Stone Cold Steve Austin get his hands on Vince McMahon one time so that every person that had a job can go, this is what I want to do to my boss. And it was beautiful and it got people involved. And now it's, um, you know, you're doing 5,000 moves in the match and none of them mean anything. <laughs> but if I hit you, if I hit you with a kick to the face and then you bounce off the ropes and they come back and hit me with a kick to the face or an elbow, it's like, really? You're pretty strong. I mean, you took <laughs> 17. And then like the, 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 well, not the Hardy boys. What are those guys called? Super kick party. The, uh, the young bucks. They have a thing called the super kick party where literally they sit there and they super kick people 16 times in the face. All right. But you know what? The crowd's enjoying it. So that's all that matters. The crowd's into yeah. it. it Whatever is evolving it, it, they're into it. That's all that matters as, you, as long as you get the crowd of the pop. Right. That's it. That's yeah. all that matters. Um, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one more pro wrestling based question and we're going to move on to other aspects sure. um, of your life. So the last question I have 
for you regarding pro wrestling is if you it's actually a, a three-part question so maybe you can oh, divide it may, may into your responses okay. and i can repeat okay. them uh, the first thank you bless is, you uh, <laughs> okay the first one is if you had to wrestle one person or you have to pick one person to wrestle either past or present who would it be it could be anybody Randy a Savage. legend or a current wrestler Randy Savage. Um, so I'll, actually you know what i'll let you answer that one first and i'll, I'll exit yeah. Yeah, I, I I would I would love to wrestle Randy Savage. Oh, actually, you know, what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say outside of Randy Savage because <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. Um, Shawn Michaels, because Shawn Michaels can make anybody look good. Shawn Michaels, even with his um, with his demons that he had back in the day, anybody he wrestled, whether it was seven feet tall, whether the person was smaller than him, Shawn Michaels made that person look good. He would sell for the other person. He would bump. And the things that he would do to make the other person look amazing was incredible. So anybody, and then so many people that have come from working with Shawn Michaels, Adam Cole, Daniel Bryan, or Brian Danielson. Now it's the same exact thing. And they're the smaller guys that just became bigger than life. So I would love, and I, would, I wouldn't even open my mouth because a lot of wrestlers back in the day, you know, they want to call this, they want to call that. When I would get in the ring, I've wrestled Tito Santana. I've wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow. I've been in the ring with the Iron Sheik. I've been in the ring with all these people and, and other people. And I want to do this move. I want to do that move. I'd be like, how you doing, sir? That's what I would do. And they'd be like, because they're used to so many people wanting to get their heat, get their like, what do you want to do? And then they would sit there and they would be like, okay, wow. And then they'd be like, the guy's like, what's one of your moves? I'm like, what do you want me to do? I was like, I don't care. I'd rather you have a storyline because I knew psychology and I knew how it, re how it re went. So, I mean, I would love to wrestle. Like, who puts a good match together? Uh, Matt Hardy puts a great match together. He's the, the champion of false finishes. Um, it's a lot of guys. That's something that's underappreciated in the wrestling industry, especially when it comes to fans. I know other wrestlers appreciate this, but the ability to make your opponent look good. Yes. I think that's something that's very, very under the radar and underappreciated. So I'm glad that you actually brought that up. I would get in trouble because as a six foot, 300 pound guy, but I mean, my legs, if you've ever seen my calves, they're like this big. And I didn't get my leg strength from, from, uh, from weightlifting. I barely weightlifted. I got my leg strength from doing martial arts, jumping rope all the time, playing volleyball. We had these things called strength shoes back in the day that had this big wedge. So like the first couple of weeks, your calves are shot, but it builds up all this leg strength. And I would be able to take amazing bumps. There's a move called the sky high where, where uh, you, you hit the ropes and the guy you're running towards him. And then you take your hands, you put it on the guy's shoulders. The guy grabs you underneath your armpits and lifts you up and then sits down with you and i would take sky highs from guys half my size to the point where i would jump so much that my hands would leave but i was a cheerleader so i used to throw people up in the air and catch them and then i would get taught dude you, you can't do that the guy's 200 pounds you're 300 pounds there's no way in reality this person's going to be able to do it i'm like yeah but doesn't it look so cool when they do and that's why i would let guys half my size t-bone suplex me we're like this because the second i popped i'm over in the air and i loved it i love making other guys look good because it's it's fun with me it's been win-win for a long time you can't 
And I, I've been in the ring with guys. All they want to do is do their moves or do this and do that. I've been dropped on my head. I've been dropped on my neck. Luckily, my body's been super flexible. And, and God's given me an indestructible frame ever since I was like my first adventure was uh, being six years old. My dad was driving his old school station wagon um like a tank he was an israeli tank commander and i saw his i saw his his uh ability when uh i was in the back seat and i didn't even i'm just like messing with the car door because i was bored there's no seat belts no child safety locks we're going down this highway 40 50 miles per hour i'm like oh cool superman i just dove right out of the car and i rolled on the ground and one car went like almost like hit me head on like would have crushed my head but i kept on rolling and then once i got to the side i looked up and i saw this 2000 pound uh what's it called station wagon i mean we're talking the tanks back in the day he turned that effing thing on a dime and turned around picked me up took me to the hospital my if you can see here like i don't have any any hair over here and then my mom said i knew you were crazy when they were stitching you up blood was rushing down your face and you were laughing like the joker i'm like that was awesome (laughs) and you wonder why i want to be a pro wrestler no go to business school and i i love i love the fact that you kind of live even even at a young age were mindful enough to, to live your life in accordance to what you wanted. Because in today's I society- to, I don't know how to be any other way. Yeah, in today's society, that's something that we don't really see often, you know, yeah. fortunately. Uh, but before we even get into um, your post pro wrestling life- You said you had two other questions according to that one after that. Yeah, one. yeah, so, yeah, cool. yeah okay. so I'm gonna actually exit the, the second pro wrestling question, which was- Accident, okay. Uh, tag team. If you have to okay. pick a tag team partner, um, and this one, I'll I'll leave Macho Man on a table if you want to. You can select him if you wanted to, but pick a ta- tag team partner from any time, um, and why? Why? Why would you pick that person? Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Wow, that's a good choice. Randy. Randy Orton, because I mean, the guy's third generation. He he grew up in the wrestling business. He gets it. He knows how to put guys over. And his facial his facial face is amazing. Um, his psychology is amazing. He understands how to work the crowd. And I love being um, I love being a leader. And I love even more being a follower to somebody good. So I think I, so when we would do tag matches and we would have like a, somebody come in, same thing. I just sit there and be quiet. My partner be like, well, I want to do this move and that move. I'm just sitting there quiet. I think Randy Orton could totally run an amazing tag team. Uh, he's doing it right now. Like when he came in, you know, um, Triple H and, and Ric Flair and, and Dave Batista, the movie star right now, they created Evolution and he was the new guy. And now he's been taking people under his wing. Now he's with Matt Riddle and uh, they're doing amazing things called RK Bro and Riddle's like, you know, the 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 peaced out guy. I love the fact that Riddle just like left the UFC because they wouldn't let him smoke, uh, you know what? And he's like, all right, whatever. And then he goes into WWE, becomes just like the, a bigger star. But um, Randy Orton's got just such an amazing wrestling mind. And uh, he's also an incredible family man. I see the videos. I see him and his wife. He's got like three boys and a girl. And I mean, they're like, you know, Orton's in the pool and then his kid jumps off the thing and his kid RKO's him. It's just, it's just so awesome. It's just so amazing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's definitely a great choice. I mean, Randy Orton is a, is a current and future legend. Um, oh yeah. No, no pun intended legend, to his nickname. Legend though. killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last question of that three-part question was, 
um, for any aspiring wrestlers that see this podcast either now or in the future, what does it take to have the it factor outside of being pushed by the company outside of marketing? What can you do individually as an aspiring wrestler or, or as a current wrestler to increase your chances um, of being a global star? Because we see it all the time. So many talented wrestlers, but they never get the push that they de deserve. Right. And that could be because of many reasons. Yeah. But in um, your opinion, what would you say, you know, takes stay stay away from wwe um because now they even changed nxt which i loved nxt because the young stars from the indies would go in daniel bryan seth rollins um you know the the shield all these guys and now uh now my understanding is vince is back in charge of nxt triple h started it um bruce pritchard like the old you know brother love back then um, now what they're doing is they got rid of half the talent and now they're just bringing in people. They're going to get football players and this players and they have all these generic guys on there. I stopped the second they changed over to NXT 2.0. I stopped watching. Um, I would say go wrestle in the independence, um, go to AEW, um, go to, if you're in South Florida, uh, Dave Heath, Gangrel, who came in with Edge and Christian, uh, he's got an amazing school. Find a good wrestling school from people that have been in WWE and watch old wrestling tapes. I mean, if you can even find tapes, just understand the psychology, but also understand your mind. Understand that you're just like an improv. When I went to uh, UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York City, they said, you know, um, do your improv to your intelligence. So whatever, if you're a scientist and use scientific terms in there to, to bring to your intelligence to show what you really have. So anything that you have, like use it and do it tenfold. If you're crazy, if you're silly, if you're goofy, if you're crying, whatever it is, use your emotion, put it out there. Look at The Rock, look at Cena, look at Stone Cold, look at The Undertaker look at Hulk Hogan, look at their interviewing. And then if you can get your interview and figure out your character, that'll take you everywhere. Like, do you know who Danhausen is? I do not. Danhausen, uh, look him up. D-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-N. -E the guy wears uh, makeup. It's like black and white makeup, the little red. He started out as a generic wrestler. And then he created this character where he's very, he's very nice. He's very even. And he taught, he just, he's quirky. And he does the, the Pee Wee Herman dance, like on the, on the apron. He comes to the ring with a jar of teeth. And then he puts the teeth in the guy's mouth. And then he gives him a super kick so that the teeth go flying in the air. It's so brilliant, but he's created such a unique following. He's all, he signed to Ring of Honor, okay? But he hasn't gone to AEW yet, but he's had Chris Jericho on his podcast. He's had Xavier Woods on his podcast. He's had X-Pac on his podcast. Everybody in AEW knows who he is because of the character that he created outside of wrestling on his own because in wwe whenever you go outside of their box they shut you down guys like uh what's it what's uh what the long island iz woo 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 what's his name um uh matt matt carbone or so that's his that's his shoot name but he went and created like the uh the inter uh inter website 
championship and he got himself over by himself. So WDB shuts him down. Anybody, so that's a whole entire thing. Uh, listen, when you're dealing with an egomaniacal, ego narcissistic person like Vince McMahon, which is fine. There's a lot, I've learned a lot about narcissists in my life, especially I have a friend of mine that works with people who have been uh, seduced by narcissists and now they're being abused and they have PTSD and all that stuff. So when you have someone that is all about power and control and making money, which is a CEO. I don't expect it. Every wrestling promoter I've ever met has always been someone focused on money. And that's it. So it's like you have to understand when there's good people around and when there's people that they're just looking to take advantage of you and be aware of that so you can get yourself out of that situation. That happens with the music industry. That happens this, but it's like understanding your self-esteem and your self-worth and knowing, especially this day and age with Instagram, with TikTok, with Twitter, with Facebook, with all these other things, you can make yourself a star without anybody. I love listening to Joe Rogan and Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. They're all on a podcast Rogan's joking around going, we don't even need Hollywood anymore. You don't need any of those places. You just go on, do what you're passionate about. And then the world finds out about you. All of a sudden you're selling your podcast for a hundred million dollars. Follow your dream. And also the thing is important. I've been doing Reiki for about 20 years, energy work. Uh, every time you do Reiki one, two, or three, you get an attunement. This is talking about the whole spiritual side of it, where literally like, like we have energy cords that connect to everyone. Have you ever had a time where all of a sudden it's like, oh, I wonder what Joey's doing. Haven't talked to him in a while. Bam, your phone rings and it's him. This is future science. Like if I were to tell you 20 years ago, you'd have a computer in your hand that you could hit a button and talk to somebody live with your picture on the other side of the planet you'd be like ah oh, don't talk to me about this star trek stuff now i just go on here i hit the button i talk to my friend in australia on whatsapp i don't even think about it but somehow energy beams from this go to a tower or go to a satellite and then i have a bluetooth in my ear and somehow these energy beams go to this we don't doubt it we don't we don't understand it but we don't doubt it so we have energy that goes that's why when i get communications from the other side my friend that that was taken from this planet too early or my grandfather this and that it's just communication and these super genius alpha kids, especially the neurodivergent ones that I work with, they're going to be the ones that are going to be able to break through on that plane. And it's going to be just like a phone call now, eventually 20, 30, 40 years, it's going to be like, okay, cool. Do you want to reach your grandmother? It's passed away. She's on the other side. Cool. Hit this number, hit this phone. And all of a sudden you'll be able to communicate with them. Multiverses, all that stuff that they're showing us on Marvel and X-Men and all that, all that stuff is real. It's just connecting with them and understanding. So like, um, I created Yogarati. I, I it didn't. It, I, I don't create any of my stuff. I don't believe. I cr I just get messages from higher guides, from spirits, from this and that, and the information comes in. I was sitting there. I remember back in 2008. I'm sitting there with a couple of directors of a preschool, going, "I just started doing yoga. It's awesome. It's all about breath work. It's all about this and that. I want to somehow combine yoga and karate together." And I mean, it couldn't have been like the roof tore off and the light came shining in, and all I saw was yoga karate. I'm like, yoga karate, and they're like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Bam! It didn't take me an hour to get home. Go on USPT gov put a, a provisional trademark in fill out the wow. paperwork blah, blah, blah. a year later i got the trademark and i re-upped it and i've been doing yogarati since if you can quiet your mind i tell my friends this and the ones that listen have a better life and the ones that are addicted to the whole money conversation because it's not really money money equals love money equals power like what does the money get you i tell people if you really want to understand what to do in your life and you want to be happy because i have a friend of mine that told me rom the only difference between you and i is you're committed to being happy and i'm committed to making money and i'm like 
And I, I've knew this guy since high school. I'm like, wow. Like, I didn't even think that was possible. But my thing is take three breaths, which I do breathe, uh, believe it or not. Take three breaths, close your eyes, and just listen and ask, who am I supposed to help? And if you're in the music industry, if you're in this industry, if you're in that industry, when you hear a voice, not the negative voice in your head, that voice comes in from this side. That's like the brain that judges me. It evaluates me. It tells me I'm supposed to lose weight. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. Scarcity, all the blah, blah, blah. Just fear, fear, fear. The programming. When I get information from this side, I hear, I, I quiet my mind. I go, what am I supposed to do today? And sometimes I'll hear, work on your website. Sometimes I might hear, you know what? Take a half hour, meditate with your inner child and just be at peace. And I do it. And on the times that I don't do it, there's negative consequences. The times that I do it, I, I meet the love of my life. Like, like I, I was told, it's like when you move from your old apartment to your new apartment, within a certain amount of time, you're going to meet the person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. And then Ju I moved Memorial Day. I got into my apartment. I went on a first date with her on June 9th. I fell in love with her the second I saw her. Wow. Our hands. Yeah. See, my hands are like red. So like there's energy constantly flowing. I held her hand. And I can't even tell you or describe the level of heat and energy that was flowing back and forth between us. It was about a good two minutes and then it shut off and spirit just connected us. And ever since then, I mean, it's been amazing. She's come on board to help me with Yogarati. She's a brilliant marketing mind and she's silly and she's goofy. She's always wanted to work with kids and now she's learning to be a Yensei. And she came from the second class that we just taught this, uh, this afternoon. It was amazing. And just my heart just sings every time I talk about her or think about her. Oh, that's beautiful. And I actually want to get into how you got into energy work and true spirituality and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And be, before we get into that, I just have one question for you. You mentioned earlier uh, that at, at a young age, you, you attended suicide. There's so many people that are really mm -hmm. unhappy, depressed, down, even contemplating suicide, going through depression, all sorts of things. So since you've been through it, and obviously you've, you've, you've experienced a lot in life, what advice would you give to people in that situation or even a kid that's that's your that was that age that is feeling how you were feeling back then what advice would you give to them first thing first just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true just because your brain tells you something doesn't mean it's true we whoever designed us put this voice in our head that judges us evaluates us compares us to other people tells us how bad we are it doesn't reinforce positiveness and we've been conditioned for such a long time to believe that what our brain says is how the world should be. And there's that word. So one thing that I talk about in my trainings, my programs, is we as human beings create expectations for other people, never share the expectation with them. And when that person that doesn't know the expectation doesn't fulfill it, we're conditioned to get mad at them. And we never told them what we wanted. There's people that love to help other people and they never ask for help and just expect someone to read their mind. So if you believe that everyone should be nice, you believe that mom should say, I love you. You believe that everyone should be peaceful. You believe that this and that should notice the word should, 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 should. And then reality is the way that reality is. Your whole world comes crumbling down. 
Because if you believe that everyone should be respectful and there's going to be, everyone's going to be nice to you, then you meet somebody that's mean to you because they have inner trauma and they have inner child problems. Then all of a sudden you, you don't know how to handle that. And we don't give tools to these kids. When I was growing up, I heard my sister in, 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 uh, in middle school, she had uh, somebody bring a weapon to school and they had zero tolerance. And so, no, we don't do that. And now they have zero tolerance for bullying because schools and public schools don't want to deal with the situation more. And they're so afraid of being in fear and getting sued by the imaginary person that's going to hire an attorney for 500 bucks an hour. And they don't have two nickels to scratch together to go and sue the school. So now kids are being brainwashed into believing if what's true, not just, not just brainwashed, but in public, especially in New Jersey, Governor, former Governor Chris Christie wanted to be a big shot, created this anti-bullying bill of rights, never consulted educators, only consulted attorneys. And the whole purpose of that was anything that you do, harassment, intimidation, bullying. Now the teacher can't even get involved. The teacher that knows the parents, that knows the kids. The second any harassment, intimidation, bullying happens, the teacher has 10 days to write a report. They can't even get involved. Then the report goes to an anti-bullying specialist, like a guidance counselor or somebody that doesn't even want the job. All of a sudden they're bullied into taking on this job. They don't get paid more money. And now these reports come into this guidance counselor that maybe met the kid one time. Then the guidance counselor does a report, have two weeks to do it, sends it to the principal who doesn't really know the kids because there's 800 kids. Then the principal goes to sends it to the superintendent. Then the superintendent sends it over to the board of education, which are elected officials that aren't even educators. And then those people that have no right, they never even met the kid. They don't know anything that's happening. They sit there and they look at a piece of paper and go that's bullying that's not bullying and then this kid it's already been a month and a half and the kid's still getting bullied and they're being taught that if you put your hands up to defend yourself then you're getting in trouble so they're being trained to sit there and while someone's punching them in the face don't defend yourself just like i didn't defend myself as a little kid every human being every victim eventually turns into a bully and and how did i grow up my one of my closest friends in fifth grade we got into an argument in fifth grade i punched him he kicked me the next day you punch hard you kick hard Want to go play He-Man? Awesome. And now I know now he's having his second kid 40 years later because that's the way we did it. We, we handled our own stuff. I was getting bullied by a kid two grades older than me. What did I do? In my, in my neighborhood, we played hockey. There was this one kid who was a challenging kid. He went to a special school. His name was Wade. That's all I'm going to say. Wade sees me. He's like, what's wrong? Because he's friends with me, even though I'm like six years younger than him. Oh, some guy's bullying me. He's like, dude, give me 10 bucks. I'm like, okay. Because I had two paper routes at the time because I was I had so much money as a little kid. Not because my parents gave me an allowance. My mom was like, allowance? You don't even, like, well, I'm going to give you free money. But because when I was 12 and after I tried to kill myself, when I was in the ambulance, and now that I was safe, I remember I can even still see the lights in the ambulance up top. And I remember programming myself saying, someday I'm going to have all the money in the world so I can find those two guys and kill them. So the second I got back, it's all been about money, money, money for 13 years until I did this amazing seminar called the Landmark Forum that totally got me out of that. So I had money galore. So I paid this kid 10 bucks. He's like, not a problem. And then I go to school the next day and this kid, this bigger kid, blonde hair, whatever, he grabs me and he's like, just being a, just 
whatever, because I didn't like to defend myself at the time. I mean, I swear, it must have been like Batman, just like comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Wade appears. And like this guy was, this other guy was a football player. Wade was like the stringy guitar player, but you know, these guys have textile strength. Wade grabs this dude right by his neck and he goes, if you ever touch him again, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to blah, blah, blah you. And then I'm going to your family next. Dude, never touch me again. And I just learned management. So, I mean, so that, that's it. But, but we had these situations. Now you have these situations where kids are being taught, don't defend yourself. So either you're going to end up snapping one day, mom's got a gun cabinet, you go into the school and you take care of the bullies, or you bully side yourself. So it's like when I talk to kids, I have conversations because I coach a lot of teenagers and I coach them about, listen, just because your brain tells you something doesn't mean it's real. Whenever you say the word should, you're setting yourself up to be upset. So instead of saying the word should, say the word could. So for example, uh, do you have somebody in your life that you've created an expectation for? Okay, cool. So think about one person in your life and you can even say their name first name or just say he or she should and then tell me the expectation because i want to do a little role play that could be beneficial to others sure i mean we can even use a parent for an example right okay like, cool my mom. Okay. okay so say my mom should and then finish whatever your expectation of her is let's say my mom should come pick me up at the airport today okay got it so notice how you feel now say the same exact sentence, but take out should and put could in there. Go. Sure. My mom could come pick me up at the airport today. It removes the, the, the demand and expectation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and by the way, when you say could, you lighten up instead of should, and it's an expectation put on the other person. So if you just start realizing, instead of saying, instead of, and I joke Ryan say, stop shooting all over yourself. Mm. Shooting, S-H-O-U-L-D. Anytime you get upset, about anything and you don't want to feel that way because some people want to feel angry or sad because they don't have access to joy we're emotional creatures so if we get to be upset or angry at least it's emotion at least we can let something out sorry the, sorry uh, you, you just you just said something that was very powerful and I, I just want to repeat it or actually have you repeat it some people want to feel anger because they don't have access to joy yeah that's we that's very that's very powerful we are emotional creatures that we've been suppressed. Guys are told not to be sad and cry. Ladies are told not to be upset or you're hysterical. And then, but we want to feel we're emotional creatures and emotion is energy and emotion. So if you don't have access to joy and happiness, because you don't even know how to get there because your brain's talking at you over and over and over, then you get angry, then you get upset, but then you still get to have emotion and you get to feel. Why do people take drugs? They take drugs because they want to feel more or because they don't want to feel at all. But it's all, everything's based on emotions. I hope uh, a lot of people take it to heart because yeah. it's very important to be aware of these things. Um, and, and you know what the craziest thing is? And um, so I would, I would work in these preschools and I'm wondering why is there so much anger? Why is there so much upset? And then I would watch these teachers and there was like a girl, like a, like a Tammy Tattletale, just gets attention for being a Tattletale. And she goes up to the teacher and she goes, Joey, call me a poopy head. And, you know, some teachers have already checked out. I don't blame them. Something happened. And, you know, they've mentally checked out whether they know it or not. So, so some teachers might be like, Joey, stop it. Other teachers who are present might go like, uh, Tammy, Joey's not here today. And Tammy's like, oh, I mean, Billy, you know, just doing it for attention. Billy said I'm a poopy head. 
Half hour goes by, Tammy wants more attention because when she does her work, she doesn't get attention because she's supposed to, but when she tattletales, she gets attention. So Tammy then goes over, annoys Jennifer. She knows Jennifer is going to say something, so she triggers Jennifer. Then Tammy runs to the teacher and goes, uh, Jennifer said I can't go to my own birthday party. The teacher then goes over to, a before she goes over to Joey, Joey, tell uh, Tammy, tell Joey how he made you feel when he called you a poopy head. Half hour later, um, Tammy, tell Jennifer how he made you, how she made you feel when she said you're allowed to go to your own birthday party. And then I, I so I give that example in my train. Then I say, okay, good. Now, now, what's the programming that the teacher is putting on the kids that Joey hears, that Jennifer hears, that Tammy and every other kid around? So I'll tell you the scenario again because I want to see because some this this one thing is a mind opener, it's a mind blower, and it's so deep down in our subconscious, we don't realize it because we've been getting programmed from this from two years old. So one more time, Tammy goes and tattletales. Oh, okay. Tammy, something just popped up on my screen. Tammy goes and tattletales and uh, whatever. And the teacher goes, um, Joey, sorry, Tammy, tell Joey how he made you feel when he called you poopy head. Next thing, um, Joey, uh, goes, whatever, Tammy goes over. And, uh, you know, go ahead and Jennifer, Tammy, tell Jennifer how she made you feel when she called you, uh, when she said you can't go to your own birthday party. So what's the programming that the teachers program the kids that the teachers already been programmed? What's the programming? Well, the program is that you need, that it's okay to, to tell on each other. Okay. That's that one could be, at least that's one of the programmings, right? Yes. Um, right. Because it, it reminds me of even the, the, the COVID. A situation that a few a few week a few months ago in Los Angeles, uh, they they passed a mandate giving out rewards okay. for encouraging people to come forward and tell snitching, right? And 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 tell <laughs> people to come to the government and say my neighbor wasn't wearing a mask, and there was an influx of people coming out of the woodwork um, with the intention of getting other people in trouble for the yep. sake of their own benefits, which was yep. money. Yep. So I can see how at a young age, you know, we get programmed to yes. think that's okay. Now, if something bad is happening, then of course you should always do your best to go, the, go to the authorities or, or um, do whatever it takes to, to, to make Someone's getting hurt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. But there, there's also balance, just like everything else is a balance to everything. Yep. And uh, to answer your question, I think that's one of the things, um, among other programming yep. uh, tools, that that those kids are being programmed to do. Right. Now, the deep, dark programming that we see on TV, we see on movies, we see in conversations, is the teacher is programming Tammy to believe that other people can make you feel a certain way. She's programming Tammy to believe that Joey can make her mad. She's programming Jennifer to believe that she can make Tammy upset. And all these kids are like, wow, I have powers over you. And unfortunately, that's not the way the brain works. No one can make you mad. No one can make you sad. We're, tra we're training people to be irresponsible and handing power over to other people. In reality, the way the brain works is someone says words to you, which words are just sounds. If I started making fun of you in a language you don't understand, you're not going to get upset because you're not going to know what I'm saying. But if I say words to you, your brain, and this happens in a microsecond, the supercomputer up here, your brain hears the words, processes the words, evaluates the words, gives the words meaning, and then you respond and react in a microsecond. 
And because you're not taught that all this stuff is intrinsic and happens internally, now you're upset because you're triggered because something happened at four years old that your body is now remembering. And then all of a sudden you go, well, he made me mad. She made me jealous. Now, if you have a whole entire society that is telling themselves, well, I'm not going to be responsible for my emotions because he made me mad. She made me upset. He made me frustrated. He made me nervous. None of that stuff ever happened in reality. You make you mad. You make you sad. You make you upset. You make you jealous. And people just sit there. And I tell people, listen, I don't expect you to get this, but I now said it and your subconscious now heard me. So now the reprogramming is already starting. It could be seven years from now where all of a sudden somebody says something to you and then you get upset. You go, well, I'm not going to let my emotions go because you can't make me mad. And then that person goes, well, I thought of this. This is my idea. I'm like, great. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want, uh, you know, I don't need, uh, you know, recognition for that. If I got you to be aware of a pattern that you got out of, then all Awesome. So imagine a whole entire world where, you know, uh, it doesn't make sense. Like in my, one of my assembly programs, I remember this was so cool. I was doing an assembly program. Uh, it's a team building assembly program for kids to get together and learn about each other. And instead of the teachers just sitting there quietly or doing whatever, the teachers actually do the same exercises with other teachers. So we're having a conversation. I'm talking about expectations and stuck programs. And I'm like, all right, somebody tell me a problem you got. So a fourth grader raises her hand. She's like, it makes me mad with this when this girl sits at my table and I don't want her to sit there. So I'm like, it makes you mad. Okay. So it like, like it, like the clown in the movie, it like, I mean, there it is, is something happening. She's like, no, no, that's silly. I'm like, okay. So we talked about responsibility and power because Spider-Man, every time they remake it, the same thing with great power comes great responsibility. So I go, listen, you get to choose. If you want to have no power in your life, take no responsibility. If you want to have a lot of power, the more responsibility you take, the more power you have because it's all internal. So can you use your words and say something differently so that you become more powerful? So the girl starts thinking and all the other kids are just like this. And uh, she's like, well, she makes me mad when she sits at our table. And I go, so is she like one of the Avengers? Is she like an X-Men, like Jean Grey, where she can get into your head and change? and shift your emotion she's like no so how does she have the power to make you mad and the girl's like this like hmm and then I'm like, all right, let, you're doing awesome. This is thinking. I know you don't talk about this stuff in regular school because it's all about textbooks and getting kids into college. So they can get into debt. So all of a sudden, I'm just like, all right, keep going. And, she always, and then the light bulb went off. She's going like this. She's like, I make me upset when she sits at the table. And I go, boom. And then it was like popcorn. I'm telling you. Three other kids pop, pop, pop. They're like, oh. And then one kid goes, wait, we make ourselves mad? I'm like, that's it. That's it. She's like, nobody can get us upset. I'm like, only if you let them. And these kids are like, <clears throat> it was incredible. Like these kids immediately got power because they understood the systems in place. And the powers that be don't want these systems out there because, you know, imagine now, now you have, these people telling you, you know, do this, do that. You don't even have to graduate high school to be successful. And <clears throat> you got the Jim Carrey's and the Seth Rogan's and the Jennifer Lawrence's and the Elon Musk's and all these people. And now it's like, you know, people, oh, 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 you need your degree. You need your, you need your high school diploma. And I go, why? And they're like, cause I had to get it. So I'm like, all right, I get it. I understand. I got my master's in education. I got my bachelor's in business. I got my BS and BS. I learned nothing. I learned everything from real estate. I learned everything from being a GNC manager. I learned everything from uh, doing sales. 
And then uh, I got my master's in education after I was being a keynote speaker because I knew that in the programming, getting MED after my name would have people believe that I know certain things and it a hundred percent worked. And I got myself in $30,000 in debt and I started getting bigger gigs. And then I said that, and then now it even more me shutting down schools where I, I tell people on the day I'm going to open up my own preschool. If you have a CDA, um, which is just like a six month program to learn, and you have two or more experiences at a preschool, hundred percent come interview. If you have a master's degree in education and you've never been in a classroom, don't come to me because you're only qualified to teach books and old books. And people look, how can you say that? I'm like, how can you in Maryland, they're forcing these family childcare providers that have, they're amazing. And they open up their home and they create preschools in their home and they have amazing experiences. And the ratio is like three teachers to eight kids, as opposed to one teacher to 12 kids in these other preschools. And now the state is telling them, yeah, you've been doing your job for 20 years, but you can't continue unless you go back to school to get a bachelor's. That's insane. And they're revolting because people are leaving college left, right, up and down, because especially millennials, they're realizing, like, what am I going to do? This gets me nothing. It's worthless. It's at 50 percent of people or more don't do anything with their degrees. And you waste seven years of your life going something, philosophy degrees, this degree. And, you know, back in the day, it was just like, you know, oh, you need a bachelor's. Then all of a sudden, oh, we need more money. You need a master's. And now it's like you don't need anything. Go on LinkedIn, go get a mentor. They'll tell you exactly what to do. Don't listen to academic advisors that don't listen to like the, the scourge of, of joy and happiness that the dream killers, I call them guidance counselors. I don't know anybody that grew up. I want to be a guidance counselor. No, you're a person that didn't pursue your dreams. You didn't pursue your joy in life. So now you're like, well, I didn't pursue this. So now I'm going to shut down everybody else's just like my guidance counselor. I want to be a pro wrestler. Oh, you should go to school for business. I'm like, did my mom talk to you? And his eyes went like that. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you. Get out of my face. Mm. Get a real. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's a good segue because I wanted to ask you, when you were in the process of walking away from the um, wrestling industry, how did you know to switch to energy work or spirituality? How did you get into um, this new chapter or the, the next chapter of your life? Which ended it was, up it wasn't really a chapter or a switch over. It was all intertwined. My, my first love um, and she, she was a healer. She could see energy. She was a massage therapist before she even went to massage therapy school. But again, you have to go to school to get the certificate to be able to do it because of blah, blah, blah. You know, the work, the work is a work is a work is a work. And um, she told me about energy. I, I took Reiki one with her and, and it was about, I felt my hands start to heat up. And then I took Reiki two with her and I got the second attunement where the Reiki master stands over you, your eyes are closed and she's doing all these different symbols that my ex could actually see the symbols being formed in the air and then going into my head. And then my pineal gland starts opening up even more. Reiki two is about learning how to work on people when they're not even there because our energetic spirit, like we can connect with energy around the planet, like it's nothing. So I had a, and so they, they told us to uh, bring a pillow or a teddy bear or something as a proxy. So then I have a pillow and then bring a picture of somebody from your family, somebody you know. So then we all, there's 10 people, we exchange all these different pictures and I get a picture of this person. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. She's like, okay, fine. Put your hands on the pillow. Think about this person, eyes closed, take some breaths, feel what you feel. And all of a sudden I started doing this. I'm like, all right, I'm not buying into this because the voice, I still, I, I've never knew, don't listen to the voice in your head, you know? And then all of a sudden I feel the pillow like heavy 
breathing. And I'm just like, all right, get the beep out of here. And I look down, the pillow's not moving. So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's deep. I mean, I'm feeling my hands go up and down, but nothing's happening. I'm like, all right, what's going on? So then we got done after five minutes and then we're going around and, and the person that I got the picture, oh, that's my uncle and he has emphysema and it's hard for him to breathe. I'm like, yo. And then from there I was in the more energy work, the more I did, I connected with people. I was able to work on people doing this and Reiki and energy work is about either healing the person, or if they're on their way back to the spirit world, it's helping them transition back over. Um, so it's easier to go, which is also the challenge. Cause if I'm working on somebody and they have cancer or something, I'm either helping heal them where I go like this and I throw out the shadows and the darkness, or I'm helping them so they can transition, which is not really the goal of the people in their lives. But some of these people are like, all right, like my grandmother's 96. She's been here. She's like, I want to go. I want to go already. You know, it's like, I'm just like, I got it. Like I, I'll Reiki you and help. I was like, don't you do that to her. I'm just like, all right, Captain Selfish. Um, so Reiki was the first part of that. And then understand, and then it just, everything started falling into place. I started doing yoga. Um, I had a former instructor, Diana, who I didn't talk to her for five years. All of a sudden she starts appearing, Facebook friend, not even requesting me, just starts appearing. So I reach out to her. She's like, oh my goodness. She's like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm a light worker. Um, I talk to spirit. I talk to this. I talk to dragons. I talk to uh, Mordecai and Jesus and all these different things. So it's like, they're just energies that are all over. And she taught me how to, she taught me amazing. She taught me how to cut energy cords where if you're connected to someone. So I just, I, I moved out of New Jersey, December, 2019, but I never really cut cords until um, uh, the weekend after Labor Day weekend, where I had a, a gig four hours North in uh, Oneida Nation, an indigenous area in upstate New York. I drove back home. I saw my parents. I saw a bunch of my friends. And then I came to, back to Florida. I cut all the cords. I'm never going back to, to Jersey unless someone's paying me or there's a death or something. Um, which even if there's a death, like what's it going to be me standing there? Like whatever. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to go to a funeral. The whole funeral industry is such a scam anyway. It's, it's amazing what they, they rob you for all this stuff and they guilt you into buying big boxes that cost $10,000. Put me in a bag, bury me under a tree. I'm all set. I'll go back. It's crazy. The way you cut cords is you think you go like this 50 times wash your hands and then what you do is you think about okay so i want to cut cords from everybody from this past conference i want to cut cords from uh old exes i want to cut cords from this and that and then what you do is you start from here and then you start going down and the second that you feel like a little bump that's a cord you grab onto the cord you cut the cord you yank the cord out you throw the cord, you go disintegrate, 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 and then you go heal, heal, heal. So it closes the cord hole and then you keep on going. And then a lot of them are the mind, the third eye or a lot of cords, the heart. So I keep on going down like this. I feel one here and sometimes I can just cut it. Sometimes you got to hack at it because it's somebody that really has their hooks into you. And then you, you dislodge the cord, you throw it, disintegrate, 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 heal, heal, heal. And then you go through all these different things um she taught me th there's times where um 
there's heebie-jeebies from different dimensions that are out there that just try to get in and mess with kids. I know kids that are highly and, and spiritual uh, in the realm of they're going to do like incredible things on this planet. They're called crystal children, indigo children, and they have like speckled blue around their eyes and they have this gray ring around their eyes. Like they're going to be like, we're all gifted and superheroes. Everyone, some people have premonitions. They see things, they feel things, and then other people have fear. Oh no, that's not really happening. I had an ex-girlfriend that she can see like, you know, like the sixth sense literally somebody would walk in and she's like who are all these people who and like literally five spirits would walk in behind them and just be sitting around hanging out and she would see them and she would then have to dispel them so there's things that you can do where like um i was just working on my friend's son because all of a sudden uh the kid was crying he's hearing noises and i looked at the picture said give me a picture of him and she sent me a picture and she sent me a picture and right behind him was this dark little entity type thing so i'm like all right cool let me let me let me take this let me ghostbuster let, let me do this and uh what's it called so basically i just like i think about the child uh from here if you ever watch any like x-men or anything like it's just energy just a big circle just shooting it out the kids right in front of me i'm picturing this energy and then what i'm doing is i'm just detangling and i'm taking this stuck muck like you ever, you ever see are you a marvel guy yes okay so so venom when he's the symbiote that's what it looks like so you're sitting there pulling you ever see the old constantine movie with keanu reeves mm-hmm Remember that when uh, when uh, with that guy he pulled when the devil pulls the goop out of him, which is so that he doesn't go to heaven, so he doesn't die of cancer, and he makes him there. So it's that thing. So it's this yuck. It's this muck. So I'm sitting there and I'm pulling this apart and pulling this apart, and then I'm throwing it and disintegrating, disintegrating. And sometimes when spirit tells me I'll go like this and I'm pulling it apart and getting rid of it, and after when I hear I'm done, then I'm done, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, what's going on? He's not crying anymore. He's not doing this. He's not doing that and then i'll be like all right but something's still there i feel it and then she sends a video i'm like what's that cabinet what is that she's like oh we picked it up i'm like get rid of that cabinet immediately and then they find out the cabinet belonged to this person and something happened in that house they get rid of that cabinet they smudge they do energy work they create energy bubbles all of a sudden the kid's sleeping quietly and this is just you know now this some people watching this hearing this might be like oh whatever i'm like no this is just future science there's multiverses, there's dimensions, there are things that are trying to come in. There's a light side, there's a dark side. There's this guy that I watch, um, he's, uh, his, his website is the uh, uh, Team Light, uh, Unite the Collective, this guy Rion out in Sedona. And he's talking about energy and he's talking about all these different dimensional things that he works with. And the dude, he looks like Michael Myers from, uh, he totally reminds me of Wayne from Wayne's World. He's got the same personality, chill, but then when he starts getting messages, it's like a different person. And then he also goes, I, I follow him on Instagram. He goes into the gym. The dude's, I don't know, maybe 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he looks like he's a little like that. This guy's bench pressing 500 pounds. This guy's deadlift, insane people. And he, and he works out in Superman costumes, Green Lantern costumes, Batman, like full like costumes. But I mean, he talks about how when he's doing a bench press, all the little, whenever you lift weights, there's little tears in the muscle. And what he does is he sends his energy body through it so it fills it and then he shoots his energy up and the guy's pressing he's tiny and he's pressing like three four hundred pounds over his head because it's not him doing it it's his energy body it's his higher self that's doing it and i'm sitting there like mind blown but it all makes sense it all makes sense that we're just like you know we're spirits 
And then we choose our parents for whatever reason to get whatever experience that we have. And then when we're done, we out. And then we come back and we keep on going and, you know, and then, I don't know, I, I, I think this is all one big, one big aliens, uh, what's it called, fish, fish bowl or whatever. <laughs> That's what I think. Like Joe Rogan said it best. He's like, if, they, if we were descendants of chimpanzees, why are there still chimpanzees? And I went, oh. so my, my, I think, I think that whatever was here before us, um, you know, because now you're seeing aliens all over the world that we see videos and the government's like, hey, guess what? There's aliens like, yeah, we kind of knew already, uh, whatever. But, um, you know, hoping that whatever they come in, you know, they're going to they're going to pick and choose whatever. Um, but I, I think I, I think the best I've ever seen it is you ever see that movie Prometheus? It was like the prequel well, to the alien. My favorite. It's a classic. Uh, there you go. Right. Michael Fassbender and all those guys. So they go, they see the symbols all over the planet. Then they use it as coordinates and they go and they find out the real beings, the, the Arcadians, the Palladians, whatever they're called. Um, you know, I think what makes the most sense to me is these beings that were here, let all this stuff happen. And then went, okay, let's see what happens. They took, cause we're 99% chimpanzee. That's a close, 99%. It's insane how close we are to that. So I, what makes sense to me is the aliens went, all right, cool. Let's uh let's add, let's jack this up a little bit and let's you know, let's level up on the on the Super Mario game that we're creating. They take a chimpanzee, they take one little drop of their DNA or whatever, they drop it into a chimpanzee, all of a sudden, that's the evolution of humans. And then when they come back. When they're like, all right, um, you know this planet that we put you on that's beautiful and has rivers and fish? I mean, I watch these videos on Netflix of like underwater, uh, like it's so peaceful and the colors. And I mean, I'm in South Florida, the iguanas down here, the dragons, the monsters that are running around. It's so beautiful. The colors are insane. Like you couldn't even mimic this on a computer. I'm like, and this, this isn't all by design. Like, I don't understand how evolution all of a sudden created all these different things. And then there's these humans that think we're the smartest things in the world. I'm like, have you ever met a dolphin? Like, we're so not the smart, but our ego, they put that ego in there for a reason, or everybody would be Kevin Hart. Everyone would be The Rock. Everyone would be Oprah. Everyone would be these people that are just unstoppable, no matter what their situations are. Those are the ones I look up to. Kevin, I mean, Kevin Hart. The stuff that he did, especially when Soul Plane came out, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then they just pooped on him and this and that. And this guy takes it from here to an arena and from this or blah. And now he's one of the first guys doing 80,000, uh, taking on football stadiums. Good for that. And he doesn't stop. I love him and The Rock when they snipe at each other. It's just the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, the, the people like that are definitely inspirational. Like you said, it just seems like no matter what happens, they just keep going and going and going and going. Yeah. There's no excuse. There's, there's really yeah, no they're excuse. just unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. so there's something, fail, fail fast. I teach in my yogarati class the beauty of making mistakes. Because there's kids that are programmed, if you make a mistake, then it's something horrible. But then I talk to them, I'm just like, okay, fine. So how do you ride a bicycle? And it's like, okay, everybody ride a bicycle. You're riding a bicycle like this. But if you're riding in a straight line, it's you're still going like that. Mistake correction, mistake correction, mistake correction. You watch your mom and dad drive a car. They're driving in a straight line, but they're going like this. So it's mistake correction, mistake correction. Does your mom and dad get mad every single time? No. Why? And they're like, I don't know. It's because they don't create an expectation 
that they're not going to do that. In their mind, the expectation is to drive in a straight line means to go like this. But somehow in your brain, you have expectations that you shouldn't fail in all these other things. Then when you fail, then you get upset and then you shut down everything. I Before yoga, I've tried, I have 25 different things that I've done that the toddler program, personal training program, this program, I wanted to do a video game gym. I wanted to do a video game boss. I wanted to create this. I want to create that. All these things didn't work. What works? My keynotes and Yogarati. Listening to Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk talk about how he went into this. He went into that. He started at YouTube in the beginning. He's failed more to, he loves failing. He gets such a kick out of failing. I love it. I love trying a thousand things out. If one hits, awesome. The key is don't give up and don't listen and anybody else that shuts you down mm. beautiful beautiful and that actually that makes a lot of sense because in the last year and a half or so due to the pandemic we've seen at least i've seen a lot of people waking up and saying the societal construct that we've been born into no longer works for me and that construct Matrix. and i say this often that construct is you're told to go to school, like you've been saying, <laughs> go, yeah, to school, yeah. go to middle school, get a job, go to high school, yep. and then you go to college, yep. and then you get a job, and then yep. you get married, yep. and you work forever. And, and, the, and only two weeks a year, you get a vacation, exactly. and then at 65 years old, then you can retire and follow you what you want to do. It's like, no, you can like legit just leave your job and go fishing now. Like go to Jamaica. If you have a skill, go teach English and start your life and live in tropical paradise tomorrow. But, but, oh, you can't do it. Yeah, you totally yes, can. You, can. you 100 percent can bail and gone. And I know people, I love the fact that there's so many people that are leaving public schools. They're doing unschooling. They're doing world schooling. There's a lady that I know, Karen, she has a company called Project Caring, K-A-R-I-N-G. And she, she, it's a whole database and resources of world schooling. And she takes her two daughters around the country. And then she stays at people's houses and she does amazing things. And they learn about culture and they learn about real culture, not, not, not the white person's version of how they destroyed everything in this country and how they took over Hawaii legally and and I mean what what's today Christopher Columbus Day yeah we all know how that now it's actually called Indigenous People Day like Thanksgiving coming up I call it Pilgrim Murder Day it's like let's be realistic it's like all the people the, you know how what do they say like the winners are the ones that write the history books oh God you're right um, <laughs> and the, the the place I was going with my comment was yes yeah, sorry the, no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, the millions okay. of people that are waking up and saying, okay, this life, this construct no longer fits me, but I have yes. no idea who I am. I, I don't know what my identity is because my whole life I've been brainwashed to think that just I'm just supposed to work. Yeah. And this pandemic is showing me that I want to live more in alignment with why I'm yes. here. So what is your advice to Beautiful. the millions of people that are feeling that way? So it, it goes, and, and by the way, I, I still, I got 15, 20 minutes, however long you want to talk about, but this is beautiful because it, it starts with a story. So um, let me see, I want to make sure that I can stand up so I have enough room. So can, can you see me? Yes. I'm, I'm in the thing. Okay, cool. So hey, let me just move my screen up a little bit. So when I was uh, 18 years old, I, I went to a county college and I couldn't stand it, but um, I, there was a martial arts team. Okay. So the martial arts team is my first exposure to Kung Fu. Okay, I always did Taekwondo, which is just moving forward, moving back, big fancy kicks, but it wasn't really effective. So I meet this Kung Fu guy, this guy, my first seafood, Tom, 
okay, uh, kung fu teacher. And I fell in love with the guy right off the back. So he's like, all right, just step forward, come to me. And I'm like, all right, big ego guy was wrestling at the, I mean, I was just big at the time, whatever. And I take one step towards him. And all he does is he goes into a squat and goes like this. And my quad goes right into his elbow. And I hit the ground. I dead leg myself. He doesn't move. And I'm like, you can do that? Like, yo, like, I mean, like, I, it blew my mind. So I'm like, teach me seafood, whatever you want to do. So another class, um, we're doing things where, um, you know, he's like, okay, so now put, like, I want to talk to you about power and strength, like push me over. So he stand there like this. I'm like, okay, fine. So I take my hand and I give him a little shove and, you know, he moves over a little bit. I'm like, ego, I'm like 19, 19. I'm like, I got this. He goes, okay, hold on one second. And then he went like this. He's like, okay, do it again. I'm like, no problem. I put my hand on his shoulder and I try and I can't move him. And then I'm like, all right. And then all of a sudden I'm doing this and I'm getting pushed back. I take both hands. Now 330 pounds sitting there pushing and pushing this little dude and I can't move him. And I'm like, all right, go ahead. Like, I'm like, I'm quiet. Like, tell me what the deal is. So he goes, the first time, he says, the first time I had my mind, excuse me, whew, the, uh, the first time I had my mind in my brain, I'm like, don't we all have our mind in our brains? Like, no, because like, and he goes, think about your uh, left big toe. And I thought about it. He's like, your mind just went to your left big toe. He's like, think about your, your right pinky. So I go, he's like, your mind just went to your right pinky. He's like, when you sleep, when you dream, you don't really know where the mind goes. The mind and the brain are two different things. He's like, I put my second time, I put my mind in my feet. And then I grounded myself and you couldn't move me. I'm just like, okay, teach me more, 100%. Like, when I, I'm very coachable. That's one thing that I've been told. I'm very, like, I, I don't have any interest in being right because that doesn't benefit me. I, I tell people, like, you know, grab on to be, like, ready, try this real quick, and I'll finish the story. Like, grab on to being right, okay, and then grab on to being happy. Now choose, because you only get one. Happy all day. There you go. But other people would rather be right about something. Like, you know what makes me happy all day? Oh, this is what makes me happy. This is my little buddy, Squaffy, and he's my joy. Hi, buddy. <laughs> yeah, get up in that nose. Just my nose cleaning. Just in case. I love you. I love you so much. Okay, good talk. Okay, cool. That's my joy. So um, what I've learned in life is this you want a drink you want some water it's good okay so what i learned in life is this your mind can go all different places uh, my my love found an article i would always talk about you know having your mind go to different places to create a win-win environment so uh you're driving down the street somebody drives quickly in front of you we're taught as humans to make things about us so oh you cut me off you did this the person didn't even know you existed they're going so fast they just drove in front of you they didn't do it intentionally OK, but we make things about ourselves and we like to be right because that's a, a that's a whenever we feel like we're right, we release oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins and serotonin into our body. We are our own drug dealers and we get high on our own supply all the time. That's why I just gave up being right and because I want to be happy. And my friends always hear me. They're telling me their opinion, this opinion. I'm like, you're right. I'm wrong. They're like, OK, and then it's over. It's done. I'm like, let's go see a movie like it's, it's squashed. So what I realize is. If you then believe what your brain tells you and you make your decisions with your mind that's in your brain, 
then you make up a story going, um, you know, uh, he cut me off, she cut me off, he disrespected me, and now you start making driving decisions that are insane. You get right up behind the person's bumper, you almost get into an accident, you cut them off, you try to race them down, all these crazy things. But if you can take a breath for a second, a pattern interrupt, my behavior mastery program, the first thing's called the pattern interrupt, where I, I do a roof. Hello, everybody. If you're happy and you know anything to pattern interrupt, Arroof! let me tell you something, brother. The kids are looking at me like they don't know who Macho Man is, but it gets their attention. Then I disrupt their brain pattern. Tony Robbins calls it a state change. And then what happens is if you can't take a breath. So I teach cold breathing where you take your tongue, put it behind the back of your bottom teeth and you go. And then you cool yourself down. And then I do. Now you can listen to your mind and your brain. And has that benefited you in your life? Or you can drop into your heart. If you take your mind and you put it in your heart, which Dr. Andrew Armour in 1991, a Canadian scientist discovered the heart has its own internal intrinsic brain. It sends more information from the heart to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. So you can think with your heart. So if you are about to make a decision with your, with your brain, and our brain is the sabotager, it's the one that creates things like control. There's no such thing as control. You can't even control your own thoughts. And there's people that live their life trying to control themselves and others. Instead of just getting, it's going to go the way it's going to go. So then if you drop into your heart and you can figure out a way how to get yourself out of that stuck pattern, then you can go and your heart might go, wow. Uh, maybe there's an emergency. Maybe somebody broke their leg. Maybe their wife's water just broke. I hope they get there safe. And then you don't do a rash driving decision. If you can drop, forget about driving into your heart, take your mind, put in your gut. What does your gut tell you? Are you about to drive up to this person's rear bumper and almost get into an accident and waste your day and, and possibly go to the hospital and, 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 and your insurance rates are going to go up just because of blah, blah, blah. Then if you listen to your gut or you listen to your heart, you know, that song from Roxette, if you listen to your heart. So I play that a lot. I love it. And then what happens is if you listen to your heart, or you listen to your gut and you just know that the brain is just there to sabotage you. You start making your decisions. If you're a kid contemplating suicide and your brain goes blah, 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 you're no good, you're no this, the life should be this way, he should be that way, mom should give you attention. If you go with your cold breath, pattern drop yourself and then drop into your heart and go, you know what, mom just working her ass off. Yeah, she's got three jobs, she doesn't see you, but, but that's the only thing she knows how to do. Your gut goes, I got a roof. It's hot out and I have air conditioning. I, I got food in the fridge. I'm set. There's plenty of people on this planet that don't have that. Then all of a sudden you can start making different decisions. And when people start making decisions with their heart and with their gut, as opposed to their brain, their whole life shifts and their whole life changes. And this is not taught in industrialized public school because they don't want you to be that way. They want you to continue being followers. There's a guy, Dr. Ken Robinson has this great video. If you look up RSA about changing education paradigms and he explains why the American school system is a hundred years outdated because it was just designed for industrialization. They push aside art, they push aside music. They just want, like you said, worker bees. There's, in life, there's no tests. But the only test that we train you for is the SAT or the ACT to get you into debt, which then, by the way, I first knew there was something wrong when I would hear about people claiming bankruptcy, but the only debt that you can never wipe is school debt. And I went, huh. 
And then I started doing research and I learned about Sally Mae. And I learned that the government keeps the interest rates so high that it's their piggy bank. They can keep on going and keep on going. And there's people that are getting money taken out of their social security because of college they went to 30 years ago. And I went, wow, good scam. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Oh, disgusting. But then again, I mean, you know, America, this is, a, this is the most capitalistic majority of all the countries are dictatorships. That's what they're trying to do now. So it's like now, now like freedom and all these different things is getting suppressed and suppressed and pushed down and pushed down. That's why I love living in Florida. Our governor kicks butt. He doesn't force you to do anything, stick yourself with anything that whatever. He's like, you do what you want. The most powerful thing that we have, Joe Rogan proved it. Other people proved that we have a natural immune system. I got COVID. I had immune immunity. All these other people, I went to a party yesterday and well, you, I got it twice. How are you? I'm good. But then you have in California, you have all these things that they're trying to indoctrinate kids into uh, into fear. There's this one hypnotist that I watched that he did a whole entire breakdown of the uh, LA school systems and how they're uh, doing all these different psychological things with these videos to teach kids every single day. They're supposed to ask themselves on a checklist. Do I have this? Am I this? Am I this? Am I that? So every single day, the kid before they go into school is supposed to go, am I sick? 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 And then all of a sudden, oh, I guess, you know, you can create sickness in your body. So then they wonder. So now it's, it's the brainwashing. It's, it's so insane. And I feel so bad because I see preschool kids. I mean, the science and the studies have shown that the younger kids don't get this. But now I see videos of, of people that are, they're creating songs. Like we wear masks to school. We wear masks to school. We wear them to keep us safe. We wear, and then these kids that are being taught to believe, hey, by the way, you're three, you're understanding. There's something in the air that could kill you. Hmm. that was fear, true fear 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 it's true it's true and uh so I, I love everything you just said and um i want to touch on something because earlier we talked about spirit spirituality and yes. energy so there are a lot of people doesn't matter who, what religion they're they are they could be jewish they could be muslim they could be christian right doesn't matter what it is right that right they, they might reach a phase in life where they feel confusion within, within their religion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, and I can speak from personal experience, sometimes when we feel confusion, it's because of the fact that sometimes the things we've been told are not necessarily either true or feel right to us innate, innately. Correct. So for anyone out there who might be feeling a sense of confusion and is really searching for what true spirituality means because i think mm -hmm. that the powers that be have hijacked what it truly means to be spiritual we've gotten mm -hmm. to the point where a lot of people think going to church makes them spiritual or going to a mosque makes them spiritual or whatever indignation they they, they they choose in your in your eyes in your view how would you define true spirituality close your eyes Take three breaths, listen, whatever speaks to you from your heart, whoever you can help, do it. Um, anything that separates humans from other humans is not how this planet's designed. Um, you know, people don't drink enough water. 
and we're two thirds water and so is the planet. People look down upon people that are bipolar, but this planet has a North and a South pole. Notice the things that separate people and then look for the things that bring us together. Saming, like we talked about. And just sometimes it, you, you, know, you can't quiet the mind. People that say meditation is about quieting the mind. No, it's in, you can't. It just close your eyes, take a couple of breaths, give yourself two minutes and just listen. And when the voice in your head kicks in, just say, you know, thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. And, and um, I don't have to believe what you're saying. And then just, you know, look at the people in life that are happy. And then look at the people in life that aren't. When you look at certain religions and they tell you to do this and do that, but they're the ones that are hurting children and it's been over and over and over done for years and years and years, then consider, you know, especially like where you're looking at, look at, look at religion as um, not the do as I say, not as I do, but you can tell with energy, you can tell who's a good person. And um, the best judges of characters, animals. If, if bring a dog around anybody, your dog will tell you who's a good person, who's not a bad person. Your dog doesn't care what, what Bible you believe, what comic book that you read, this and that, whatever it is. Your dog can feel who a spiritual person is. Um, a baby, same exact thing. When, when kids, when I walk around, there were two babies at this thing. The one kid I already knew uh, yesterday, he's the one that I got the heebie-jeebie thing away from him. This other kid that I walk in, I smile at this kid and I just send light to it. And this kid just watches me around the room like, hey, buddy. And that's it. And it's just purity. And it's, so it's like, follow, you know, just what would a baby do? What would a, what would a dog do? And what would you do if, if it didn't, you know, if, uh, like, who wants you happy? You know, I think spirit wants you happy. And if there's people and there's organizations that don't want you happy or say, you know, you're born with sin or anything having to do with fear, get away as fast as possible instead of indoctrinating yourself and then also now passing on that fear to your kids. Like sure. I, I, I was at a training where a person, this one lady's like, well, you know, I want my son to go to this school because if he doesn't, then he's not going to get into heaven. I'm just like, cause these are our beliefs. I'm like, what does he believe? Well, he doesn't really believe this time. Like, well, you know what happens when kids leave your home and they go to college and they're being forced to do this. Like what happens? They're like, the mom goes like, like, yeah, you know, they try this and they do this and they drink this and they smoke this and they go do this. They go do that, especially the more powerful kids. So like you have, let's like, can you consider instead of having a win-lose relationship with your son, meaning you're telling him what to do, he's going to do the opposite. Are you okay with 40, 50 years of resentment from your child? Or are you open to considering that, you know what, uh, maybe you're wrong, maybe you're right, but what does your kid want? And then sit down with him. I mean, I show videos of this one kid, uh, DJ Fresh the youngest Got Talent winner on the planet. He's a DJ, three years old. He won South Africa's Got Talent. The kid, if, if, if you told you know people, like, I want to be a DJ, no, be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. But when, he, when he's done DJing and this audience is standing up on their feet, he won the whole Got Talent. He looks at his dad first and his dad looks at him and smiles. And I'm like, that's awesome. So it's like just... What makes you feel good? If you go somewhere, you read some book, you do this and do that, and you don't feel good, get away. Try. 
And then some, and then you're just get, you're going to have people. Have you ever heard of the crab in the bucket principle? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would always wonder walking around some of these farmers markets, like there's a bucket of crabs. How are they not all like put a top on that thing? And then I learned, oh, when one crab starts going to the top of it, all of them pull them down. I'm like, imagine if all the crabs one day just decided to create a ladder. There'd be crabs all over the floor, sea bugs, as I call them. You know, Jim Gaffigan has his great routine on them. And I'm just like, that's it. And whenever somebody tries to pull you down, just get away from them. And, and also, too, family does have, has nothing to do with blood. I agree. I agree. Family is who I got my brothers, and they are nothing to do with blood. And then I have people in my life that, oh, my goodness, they have the same DNA as me. I would never listen to them. And they are miserable. But they're right about it. Oh, that's beautiful. And just quick set, uh, time out here. Um, Kate, we're going to break. Uh, break uh, <laughs> what's the wrestling term for it? I know it's kayfabe, but I want to use it correctly. No, that, that's right. I, I, I like timeout because I love when the heels would go timeout, timeout. Yeah. And then Gorilla Monsoon would be like, there's no timeout in wrestling. And that was one of the greatest things when I was a bad guy. Everybody said, timeout, timeout. We're going to yeah. take a break. They're like, there's no timeout. So, that's yeah. Funny. But go on. Um, that's fine. I, I got you. Yeah, I just wanted to just just clear, clear, clear yourself with you. So it's 718. You have about 10 minutes left, correct? Yeah, whatever. I, I, okay. I have, I, I see what I, I told this one organization that I would fill out proposals for them and I would have it to them by 8 p.m. Now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't say which 8 p.m. and they're out in California. Ah, uh, gotcha. So uh, I'll just, I'll do it during the commercial breaks on Monday Night Raw. Now that I really think about it, yeah, I did say 8 p.m. I didn't say 8 p.m. my time. So, okay. you know, I, I, I say think outside the box. Actually, I say there is no box. Like the Matrix movies, oh my goodness, they're my favorite. <laughs> Matrix 4 is coming out. Oh, I can't oh yeah, wait. I saw that too. I, I, thought yeah. they were, I thought they were done, but apparently they're going to keep going. Well, yeah, they were done until they're not done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the next Go question I wanted to ask you, uh, what was, what was the next question? Was very, was very, oh, do you watch, do you watch, uh, you watch stars? Do you watch that show heels on star stars? No, I don't watch, I don't watch much TV. Unfortunately, I don't have much free time to watch TV. Oh, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, the guy, Steve Amell, who played the green arrow on this, on the shows and actually went to WWE for a little bit, did a whole storyline with Cody Rhodes when he was really? Stardust before he went over. Uh, he's in a show on and stars has great shows. He's in a show uh, called heels that me and my girl are watching and it's so good. It's about an indie promotion in the South, but it's nitty, it's gritty. It's uh, it's, oh, it's such an amazing show. And she, she was into wrestling. I got her back into it, but I sit there and I'm watching. I'm like, wow, this is just like a piece of garbage promoter taking advantage of people. It's so good. H E E L Z heels. Oh, okay. or H E E L S on stars. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Sorry. I just want to get that. No, out no, you're fine. Wrestling. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite uh, philosophers slash psychologists is Jordan Peterson. Yes. And he came out with a book called The 12 Rules of Life. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you if you had to come up with a book called, let's just say, let's make this easy, The Three Rules of Life. Uh, based on all your experiences, everything you've learned, the person you are right now, self-development, so many things what would you select uh, as the three rules of life for your book and why? 
Rule number one, do what makes you happy no matter what anybody else says. Especially in this world of Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, where if you love sewing, you can do all, you're doing the sewing all day, every day. Just put a camera on it, talk about it. And then five years from now, when 98% of people quit and you have 2 million followers and YouTube sending you 20 grand a month, you know, just do whatever, just get past your ego and no one's going to watch you. Um, so do whatever makes you happy. Like Gary V talks about your side hustle, which, and do your full-time hustle, your job, which is so interesting because when you lose in wrestling, what's it called? Doing the what? Doing the job. Jobbing. Yeah. Jobbing. Yeah. Which is why I have no interest in ever having a job ever again. And I was so happy that within like three weeks of meeting my love, she quit her job. And it was so amazing. And, and she was even concerned. She's like, oh, you're going to be judgmental. I was like, honey, I'm so happy. And now she's on board full time with me. And we're going to make Yogarati the biggest early childhood program on the planet. Because, and she's passionate. She loves it. She's playing with the kids. And the beauty of it too is like, she's like, oh, I always thought I wanted to work with kids, but I thought I need this degree and a hundred hours. Did they go? No, come with me. I walk into the school. She's like, oh, so, um, so number one, follow your passion, follow your vision, share it with the world. If you want, if you don't want to, you don't have to, I'd say the second thing is, um, anything you want to do in your life, reach out to people that are already doing it. Don't take advice from any, don't take advice from an advisor. Don't take advice from this person. Um, if you want a, a masterclass, do you know what masterclass is? Yeah. Okay, some people don't. I didn't even know about it till about a couple months ago, till she showed me do it, and I'm and then she's watching uh, Nancy Cartwright, the one that does uh, the Bart Simpson voice. She does a thing. I want to learn how to be a singer to honor my friend that passed away and uh, continue his work. And Christina Aguilera has a whole entire thing about about singing and how to hold the microphone this way or that way. Um, Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese have things about how to be a director. And I mean, the crazy part is too is like. Do you know, do you know that Hitler was, um, he was rejected from art school multiple times. And if you ever look up and listen, I'm Israeli Jewish. So people are like, how can you talk about blah, blah, blah. Look up some of his paintings. They're incredible. They're incredible. Revolutionary. Can you imagine if the, somebody just said, you know what? These paintings are amazing. Come on in. Can you imagine the difference? So if somebody shuts you down, just keep going for it. Find people in life that just do what you do. When I had, when I used to have interns, I had this one intern and she was like, I want to be a doctor without border. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm going to school for six years. Blah, blah. Who told you that? My advisor. Are they a doctor? No. I'm like, pause. We go on LinkedIn. We message 10 people. We put in doctors without borders. We message 10 people with the same message. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I want to be a doctor doctor without border. I'm looking for mentorship. I don't have a lot of money to keep going to college. One person reached out to her. She, she fast forwarded. She's, he's like, don't do this. Go get your associates in this. Come here and we'll train you how to do this and that. Save their so much time. And then if you're a parent, listen to your kids. I was coaching. Uh, I did a, I did a keynote for this organization called the New Jersey Council for Exceptional Children. Superpower gifted kids. Other people call them special needs because they diminish them, whatever. So the mom's known me for years and years and years. She knows I love talking about neurodiverse kids and X-Men and mutants. Her son is like that. Her son's amazing. Her daughter, 17 years old, she's trying to figure out where she wants to go to college. 
And um, she's like, I want to go to Georgetown University. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know anything about college. But I'm like, tell me why. Like, what do you want to do? She said, she goes up, we're zooming. She sends me a picture. She's like, she sends me a picture of a bulldog. She's like, this is the mascot of Georgetown University. I'm like, oh, that's cute. She's like, if you get on the dean's list at Georgetown, you get put into a lottery, you can walk that dog. I'm like, and I know her mom doesn't have a lot of money. She's an educator because they don't pay educators anywhere near their worth here. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, where else do you want to go to school? And her brother's watching. She's like, I want to go to this school in Boston. So me being obnoxious and knowing her already, I'm like, why? What animals can you walk there? And her brother looks at her like that and smiles. She's like, well, they have, a, I'm like, why don't you just be a dog walker? She's like, oh, well, my mom wants me to make a lot of money and you can't make a lot of money. Hold on one second. And I said, here you go. And I sent her the link of my old dog walker that lives a half hour away where I used to live in South Florida, South uh, Bark and Purr underscore SoFlo. This lady, number one, she has three people working for her. She goes into these Miami houses where these people have Fufu and Fifi and Fafa, the dogs, and these people travel around the world on their yachts, but they can't take the dogs. So she makes 500 bucks a night just staying over. And she is, I'm like, have you heard of WAG, the app? Have you heard of Rover? These people are charging. My dog walker right now, she charges 25 bucks for a half hour. When I go travel, my love and I are going to go see a four-day concert called Rockville up in, uh, in Daytona Beach. She's getting paid 100 bucks a day just to stay here with Scruffy. To hang out she can leave whenever she wants but make sure he's fed walk him pet him 100 bucks a day she's like are you serious i'm like yeah and then i talked to the mom I'm like mom listen i'm gonna you're, you're gonna your your brain's gonna go and i ask you to do what i tell your people that you trust me with listen to your heart i'm like she just wants to be a dog walker she's like i know she's like ever since she was four all she wanted to do she walks people's dogs she's like i know she's like i got it i i it's amazing i heard it from you she's like i'm gonna talk to my husband i'm like listen do you have an extra hundred thousand dollars do you want to get in that she's like no I'm like she wants to be a dog walker let her be a dog walker let her build a business let her enjoy let her work i'll connect her with my friend so that she can teach her how to run a real business so for parents I tell them if you don't understand, anytime your story comes up in your mind, I want to be a social media influencer. I want to be a DJ. I want to be a chef. I want to be a cook. I want to be a race car driver. I was coaching this one kid that was getting bullied. And now this kid was, he was going to go to college for this or that. Now this kid was 15 years old. Now he's 18. I just saw, uh, he posted something about his company designing body things for NASCAR, and he's going to college for engineering, but focusing on motorsports. It's actually something that he's going to use his degree, and he's going to learn from real people. So my coaching to parents, I have a parent program that I do. It's two sentences. I love you. How can I support you? Listen to your inner child. And whenever your little kid goes, I want to play video games. I want to go play in the sand. I want to go do this. My inner child talks to me. I'm like, okay, ready? We're going to go on YouTube. And I type in 80s music cartoon shows. And for a half hour, I'm singing, feel the magic, hear the roar. Thundercats are loose. The next thing, the Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. And then Thundercats, thunder, 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 thunder. And my little inner child is singing. And now Netflix is putting shows on with new He-Man, with new that Kevin Smith did with new transformers and i'm sitting there going when the transformers movie came out the original one with with uh with shia labeouf and stuff like that all these kids are in the theater i'm sitting there going 
just like totally transformed my inner child is screaming in joy and happiness. And there's people that don't even know about inner child. And the last thing that I teach, the last thing I would say, we have emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. When you get advice, notice where the advice is coming from and who's making money off you. And I've done a lot of work in plant medicine. Down here, there's an amazing plant medicine, psilocybin, ayahuasca, iboga. I did a psilocybin retreat um, that they're using psilocybin in Oregon and in Colorado and in New York City to treat people with immense trauma and depression, anxiety. And one guided psilocybin trip has people get rid of it because when your ego gets put aside and you get connected to the universe and you get connected to spirit, all of a sudden you realize all this stuff that comes up instead of pushing it down. It's incredible. I met my inner child last year during a psilocybin retreat. Uh, Labor Day weekend, I did something called Iboga, otherwise known as Ibocaine. It's an African tree bar. And if you do a flood and what happens is after about an hour and a half, as your eyes are closed and they have this thing over, it's like a little mask you watch and all of a sudden, like a, a movie screen just pops up and all these pictures of different things from your past start popping up and all the things that the body and the brain suppresses of trauma, that stuff starts popping out. And then you'll hear somebody screaming at the top of their lungs as they're going through their trauma. I was crying the second day all the time because all this step stuff that was pushing me down and pushing me down and these people that run this beautiful place one's a one's a trauma specialist one's a shaman one's a nurse and they do these amazing things where after two days all this stuff that's suppressed in your body comes up with no drugs with no pills with no alcohol with no weed with no nothing and all this stuff comes up and you work through it you scream for two minutes, you cry it out for three minutes, and afterwards, <laughs> shit, done. And now it's out of your system. You feel 20 pounds lighter and your hair goes from gray to brown. It's amazing. Like my, my beard used to be a lot grayer. And then after I did this, all of a sudden, I'm just like, is it getting like darker over here? Like all this you see over here, but it, it wasn't this. And now I'm just like, you're, you're reversing yourself. Also meditate. Dr. Joe Dispenza did a whole entire study about telomeres and the length of your chrome at the end. Telomeres are the thing at the end of your chromosomes that they get smaller and smaller as we age. And what happens is during, he did a 60 day study where five out of seven days, each person, this is all scientific based because some people, their voice, their head, this isn't real that because they're more important about, they're more concerned about being right than actually having access to joy and happiness. So all of a sudden he does this study and after 60 days, like 65% of the people, their telomeres actually lengthen reverse aging they added seven to 14 days onto their lives and one person after one meditation they did they did the blood work his telomeres lengthened which means it was a quantum event outside of space and time proving scientifically based that we can meditate ourselves into healing our bodies healing our past healing our problems healing our blindness healing our sickness all this stuff and there's a lot of people out there that make a lot of money that don't want people to know about this. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And uh, first, first of all, thank you for answering that that question. Yeah. Uh, I don't even I, know if I answered half your question. I just no, no, you, <laughs> okay. no you, you did, you did. Okay, um, I have three you. more, and then um, I know you're a busy, man. So we'll, we'll wrap up. The next, the, the first one to the last three is we touched earlier on an energy and energy mm -hmm. work. Yes. And it's very, very important because a lot of people do not pay attention to this. 
um, I refer to it as, or I refer to some people as energy vampires. Yeah, right. they suck the energy right out of you. They walk right by you, and all of a sudden you're like, because you know, because people don't know to protect themselves energetically. Can I can I okay, finish your thing and then I actually want to? And by the way, I don't know if you noticed if I've been playing with these the whole entire time. No, these I didn't are, notice. These are hematite. These are hematite stones, and they're grounding stones. What happens is I have these all the time. I charge them, so like all of a sudden, like I don't know if you can tell, I'm like a little sweaty over here, even though I have my fan going, and these heat up. And then what happens is I used to have hematite chains. I have hematite necklaces. So whenever a heebie-jeebie or whenever somebody negative would come by, all of a sudden I wouldn't even know it, and all of a sudden like my bracelet would just shatter. But then it would be like, okay, there was something there. And I charge these all the time and I have them in my car. I have them everywhere because these are grounding stones and negative energy will then absorb into these. And they're also, they're very, they're, they're magnetic. So it's like, so I love showing preschool kids these because all of a sudden, like now it's like repelling itself when it's doing it. And then you turn around and do that. And this is, this, this is beautiful. This is how I show energy to little kids. So, um, yeah. keep on going with your energy vampire. Cause I actually want to do something with you to finish it off where we're actually going to create energy. And I want people to try this and feel it in their hands. So their minds get blown even more. Sure. Sure. So the, 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 the question was, what can people do to be more aware of energetic, energetic vampires? Because the worst is when, you know, this people is, oh, sorry, this person can be your friend. It could be yeah. a lover, it can be a family member, it could be a stranger, it could be a coworker, no matter what. Yeah. They come in all forms. And half the time we don't even know that they're sucking their energy. Right. right? Um, I think it's really important to be aware of how you feel mm -hmm. around certain people. Start be present. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So what what would you what would you, what advice would you give to to people uh, to be more mindful about their energy? Well, the, the awareness, I mean, if you all of a sudden you're having a good day, you're hydrated, you have fruits and vegetables in your body, you're out in the sun, you feel great. And then a certain person in your life always like, you know, just when you walk, like, I don't know, I don't, don't like this person. I feel this. I feel that, you know, I just consider not being around that person anymore. I'm just get there's people out there that they, like, like we said before, they don't have access to joy and happiness. So instead of like, you know, a win lose situation is where you know you come home to someone you're having a bad day because we, we don't have bad days we have bad moments that we don't realize are bad moments and then we choose to stretch them out into bad days so we can get attention but then you come home you've had a bad day this person's happy we're not conditioned to go oh wow i've had a bad day you look happy tell me about your day so i can change my way of being we're conditioned to change to see somebody else happy and go oh let me shut that down as soon as possible um, so what, what I, what I do with people is I tell them to be aware of it and then also protect yourself. So let's try something. Cause I'll show you. So, um, rub your hands together. Okay. And when you're rubbing your hands together, you're creating heat, friction, energy. Well, energy is constant, but so you feel that heat. Okay. Now cup your hands and then pull your hands apart like that. And now just hang out and then tell me if you feel anything between your hands. So now do it again. A little faster. Now cup your hands. So bring your thumb down even more. So you're cupping like that. And now pull your hands apart even more like that. And now give me, tell me what you feel. There you go. Uh, it's, it's an interesting sensation. I'm not sure how to describe okay. it. Okay. Well, you're going, so why are you going back and forth like that? Because that's what I feel too. What are you feeling between your hands? It's, it's almost like it's repelling a little bit. 
There you go. So it's the same magnet thing. So what happens is we have energy between our hands. So we have energy. There's kids that can see this when I do this. If I go like this and somebody puts their hand in between my hands, they feel the energy going back and forth. So what I do is, is I then I can play with it. So I can pull it apart like this and I still feel like the wom, 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 like that. I pull it apart. I pull it apart. I pull it apart. And then what I do is I protect myself. I teach the kids as young as three years old, create an energy bubble, cover your whole entire yourself you created a bubble everybody send light and love to their friends and now i open up the bubble i step into it i close it behind me and now i'm protected by an energy bubble i read a book a long time ago called the celestine prophecy that is fiction wink wink I have that book. so remember the chapter talks about the bully and one person's energy and then they create energy spikes and they pierce the other person's aura and if the other person allows it then they suck and drain the energy from them so that's the energy vampire so if your energy and your aura if your protection and you're just, you, you're the green lantern and you're just like f this shh, i'm good to go then nobody can get in and then they're going to bounce off it's the same thing when i talk to kids about bullying i do something where's my and shield i don't see it but i, I teach them about doing an and shield and a and d like Captain America has a shield. Wonder Woman has a shield. Anybody says anything to you, they want attention. They want to push your buttons. All you do is you just say the word and. So, so if you say to me, you're fat and you're ugly and you're stupid and you're this and you just say and seven, eight times. I mean, it doesn't even take that long. Eventually after a while, the person's like, what's with this and? Why aren't you responding? Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, all right, fine. And then the same thing I teach in assembly programs, the same thing that I teach to parents, I teach the kids. And now someone's like, you're da, 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 and. And, and, and then I also teach the power look, top of the forehead. So when you look at the top of the forehead and you sing a song to yourself, like row, row your boat, your face goes emotionless. So I'm looking at you right now and everything's like, oh, fantastic. But then if I want to take away all emotional response, all I do is I, I now, I don't have to do with the hand, but I teach it, go like this. And the second that I disconnect from you, now what I'm doing is I'm not looking at the camera, I'm looking over and now even though my mouth is moving, there's no emotional response whatsoever. So if somebody says you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, this and that, and I go like this, I go and, 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 and then they're just like, what's going on? Your face isn't moving. We have hundreds of, uh, of muscles in our face, all these micro expressions that they train FBI profilers to watch. If you don't react, don't respond. The person doesn't get that response from you. They're like, uh, their brain doesn't understand what's happening. And then they move on. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and then uh, in closing, can you uh, expand a little more on all the things you're doing right now and also how people can reach you if they want to reach you? Oh, yeah. Awesome. So um, easiest way to reach me, my, my website, ronspeak.com, R-O-N-S-P-E-A-K.com. Uh, you, you can see over here, uh, Yogarati. That's my blend of yoga and martial arts. It's uh, preschool enrichment programs. It's assembly programs. It's training for parents and teachers. It's all about mindfulness. Everything is about breath work, whether you're doing karate or yoga. So um, right now, what we're doing is my love, who's like a marketing genius. Uh, she created, even though I have like all these subscribers on my YouTube channel, she created Yogarati TV as a YouTube channel for kids. So now I have kids, as I talk across the planet, I have kids that can go on there and they can practice martial they can practice yoga they can practice belly breathing fire breathing cold breathing jellyfish breathing um so my real passion is getting yogarati out to the world and it's all just on the youtube channel so it's all free um and then 
I love doing trainings for anybody that's just open to having access to more joy and happiness. It's like I do a lot of my work is education. I do have corporate trainings because when I go into something and if I talk to a CEO and all of a sudden he starts connecting with his heart and, and, his, and his gut, all of a sudden the way that he treats his people is totally different. Like I love the fact that Gary Vaynerchuk is one of the first people I've heard that created a position called a CHO, a chief heart officer. Their only purpose of that job is to make sure the only purpose of that job is to make sure that the employees are taken care of to the best of their ability. Um, so Ron Speak is my website. Um, I talk to people all the time. Uh, the Yogarati is my other passion and just getting my information out there. And really, especially like I love working with teenagers because like, you know, I, I want I want them to be able to learn how to communicate to their parents what they want for their life so they don't grow up with resentment towards them. And then it's like, what's the parent going to do? Like, my mom wanted me to go to this college and get this job so that when she's sitting around with her friends at dinner, everybody, what does your son do? My son goes to this college. My son does a job. They go, ooh, my mom gets a five-second dopamine release. The, the waiter comes up. What would you like to order? It's going out the window. She gets a 10-second drug rush from her brain, and my life is ruined if I didn't, if I actually followed what she said to do. So hmm. parents, that's the thing too. Parents, listen, what's more important? Your 10 seconds of dopamine or your kid's happiness? And either one you make, fine. Just choose. Happy, being right. One or the other. Wow. Mic dropped. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. And for, for listeners, can you please spell your Yogarati website just in case they don't watch the video? Absolutely. Yogarati is yoga rate. Y-O-G-A-R-A-T-E. So it's like yoga and then the karate, but you take off the K and the A. So yoga, rate, R-A-T-E. Uh, you can go to yogarati.com. If you go to yogaratitv.com, it takes me, takes me and anybody else with a computer, it takes you over to um, the YouTube channel. And then, like I said, all my other stuff, my assemblies, my teacher trainings, my parent trainings, that's all on ronspeak.com. Okay, perfect. And then lastly, your YouTube channel, if, they, if people want to go there directly, uh, what is it called? Oh, uh, the YouTube, if you type in my name, Ron Schwalis, youtube.com, that's a URL that I bought that forwards. Ron is R-O-N, Schwali is S-H-U-A-L-I. So you can either type in Ron Schwali, youtube.com or Ron Schwalis, youtube.com. And it takes you right over to it. And then if you like what you see in the videos, I mean, I, I, I do, I do things in, uh, I have a keynote that I do called up the rabbit hole, escaping the matrix of your mind, where I wear a very tight and very temperature hot matrix costume um i have another character called the yensei he's a yogi sensei that I, it's like a dragon ball actually i don't want to say that but anyway it's a it's a it's an anime wig with a, a karate top but it's got funky pants that i wear um and it's all just based on just being happy and joyous and you know you can create whatever life that you want and have access it. to it. it and anything you want is possible. And the last thing is, I know I mentioned it before, the whole reason why I started this whole entire journey is because one of my personal training clients back in 2001, um, she actually earlier than that in the year 2000, in the year 2000, um, she uh, told me about a seminar called the Landmark Forum that I didn't know anything about. 
And I almost didn't take it because my thing was about money. And she said, whatever stops you in life is going to stop you from doing the seminar. And I went to a free introduction. It was in Edison, New Jersey. They have it all over the world. My mom actually did in Israel. It's all over the planet. They don't even advertise, which is insane. And it was 400 bucks. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend $400 to get everything I want in my life. And she's like, well, uh, you charged me 40 bucks an hour. Uh, we pay by a 10 pack. I'm supposed to give you another 10 pack this weekend. Can I pay for your seminar? And I did that seminar. It was all day Friday. It was all day Saturday, 10, 12 hours. I mean, lunch breaks, dinner breaks, the whole thing. Sunday afternoon, evening, around 5 p.m. when I got the punchline, my whole life changed. I found out later the Matrix movie is based on that seminar. Uh, the Wachowski sisters, the then now then brothers, were wow. in one of the programs wow. going, like, I want to do this. Even if you watch the Wachowski's Dark City before they did the Matrix, it's all that same thing of, 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 a, of a world and, and the, the wool that's been pulled over our eyes and the disconnection. And to tell you, it's interesting. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But then the completion is Tuesday night. Why do they do Tuesday, not Monday? Because Monday, they want you to go out into the real world after this whole epiphany. The best way I can explain is, remember those old Etch-A-Sketch games that you sit there and you're drawing the lines all over? And then, so oh, your whole entire life, you're trying to draw a new life, but you're drawing over all the past. With this program at 5 p.m. on Sunday, it's like you shook the Etch-A-Sketch and your whole past is complete. And you realize all the stuff that you've made up is irrelevant to where you are now. And I was walking around the mall feeling like I'm Neo with Morpheus looking for the lady in the red dress. And everybody else was just stuck in their significance on their this, on their that. There weren't even cell phones back then. And everybody was they like ants in their programming. And that day, I, I dropped out of college. I went to my karate teacher that was learning how to be a better fighter because I wanted to go wrestle in Japan and they used to beat the crap out of the, the new people just to see if they would last. And I walked up to my instructor going, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. This is just what happened in this seminar. Only joy I remember is teaching my cousin in Israel karate for the first time. The second time I met him, first time he was one years old. Second time I met him, he was eight. I spent the whole entire week teaching him karate. My uncle, who I told you about before, now he was the CEO of this, CEO of that, making tons of money. And, and he wouldn't even watch his son do karate after I trained him for a week. And, I, and in that seminar, I'm sitting there going, what I thought I wanted to be was my uncle. And my joy was teaching my, my, my little brother. He's my little brother, really, my cousin karate and I went up to my karate teacher and I'm just like I don't know what the hell I want to do with my life now but can you teach me how to teach kids karate and he's like let me talk to my wife and then all of a sudden I found out he was an elementary school teacher his wife was a preschool teacher she taught me how to teach preschool kids and that's what started this whole entire adventure into into preschool martial arts and running a company in Jersey with 60 schools and seven instructors and then now to be in an international keynote speaker just because I took that one seminar that just totally blew my mind and just helped me complete my past and just went, hmm, now what? Oh, chills. Chills. <laughs> I, I love that beautiful soliloquy. I know I said that was going to be my last question, but I don't care. You what said, 12 minutes. You gave me another question to ask. Yes. Which yes, is, what is your vision for the future for your, for your company and all the amazing things you're doing? What is your vision? Uh, I want to be the number one early childhood speaker on the planet. Um, I want people to understand their inner child. I want them to really um, 
That's one, just to really get my programs and my speaking out there. And I speak at every national conference that really there is in early childhood, but not every international one. Um, I'm going to open up a preschool one day. That's a very unique concept because it's going to be based on my behavior system that is about the 95% of kids that are just followers. And then the 5% that are neurodiverse. It's kind of like I want to create my own Xavier school for the gifted. Uh, wow, type thing where oh I mean I we're gonna do energy work we're gonna do this we're gonna be in water I want to have dogs at the school my friend who's working in NFTs right now who's about to make a couple million dollars because he just had this epiphany now he's hooked up with Wu Tang he's hooked up with this and that and they're doing amazing things all this stuff happened in six months and he's just like you want a million dollars I'm like yeah sure I want to open up the school and I told me he's like oh my god that sounds amazing so creating this school is going to be incredible. Um, and I want to get Yogarati around the planet. I want kids to learn how to breathe. I want them exposed to martial arts and yoga as soon as possible so they can choose that. Because if you do martial arts and or yoga as a little kid, any physical thing that you take on in life is just going to be so much easier. No, I agree. <laughs> and that's, 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 I mean, I... <laughs> there's there's such a uh what is the right word here a missing space for the amazing work that you're doing mm. and i like that your vision just transcends the present which is you know just getting i, I love the fact that you have a overall uh perspective uh regarding uh, you know the need for what you're doing yeah and i feel like it's something that's really missing especially this day and age where we're so caught up in our everyday lives and, and the fear of, of COVID or whatever, you know, where that's going. Um, and just the mundane um, things we have to deal with on a daily basis. And for people like you to be out there that are not only worried about themselves, but also looking to help others and make a difference, it's really a rare trait. And I'm really glad that from a, from a young age, you, you, you knew how to stand in your power and live in alignment with why you're here, which like I mentioned earlier, is something that just a lot of people do not do. Yeah, it's, so it's, I, not, it's, it's not an easy journey. I mean, I, start, I, really, I really woke up in 2001. And I mean, now we're talking, it's, it's 20 years later and I'm just reawakening again with all this inner child work. No, it's beautiful, beautiful. And then on that thank note, you. thank you again, Ron. You've been amazing. I've, there's so much more that uh i'll be back yes yes there's so much more for us to talk about but i'm i'm, I'm trying to resist the temptation of, of keep because we can't talk forever in one day i got nine minutes so no i'm pretty soon yeah yeah this is a perfect moment to to, to okay. captain's off um you've been beyond amazing uh, to be honest with you this is actually one of my favorite uh podcasts nice uh, oh you say that to all the guys no, oh kidding. no no yeah okay no, I, I, no, I get that no, this is laugh. awesome i love this <laughs> i've always wanted to do a joe rogan-esque long-form podcast yes and, and everyone has done like like an hour so when you said two hours i'm like awesome and you know we're almost on like hour number three and and i get it i totally get why like you know him and like howard stern are like amazing interviewers because they get to the heart of it and it, it takes two three hours to really get into like who a human being really is
Yes. So good, good for you. Well, kudos to you for just having this format. I love it. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, with that said, like Joe Rogan does, I would love definitely to have you back because there's a lot more that I, there's just, you're, you're, there's, there's a lot more to you than now two or three hours worth of conversations. We could probably talk for a whole day. So there's definitely more yep. I want to dig into when it comes to like we talked about earlier, spirituality, um, just so much more. So we'll say that for next time. Yes, sir. Um, so again, thank you so much for joining. Uh, you've been amazing. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too.